This is Off the Record with Big C and Slim Nick. Welcome to episode 25 of Off the Record. Slim Nick's here for the second week running, so uh, (laughs) it's party time. Um, Yeah, party time. As as ever, thanks to um, to anyone for listening to us at the moment, uh, tuning in, whether it be via Facebook Live, which you're on now, or you might be listening to your favoured podcast forum. Uh, But thanks anyway. And uh, today we are continuing the year in rock, a year in rock, uh, or a year in music, whatever you want to want to call it. Uh, and we are branching out a little bit. Um, last couple of weeks, we've covered albums. We did 1971, which was the golden era of the album, certainly the rock album. And last week, uh, surprisingly, a number of good albums we did in 1976, we discussed. Today, we're focusing on the very best, we think, singles released, uh, whether it be UK, US or Australia, uh, in the year 1980. Okay. Um, the beginning of the 80s. Um, so once again, uh, Slim and I would like to welcome back uh, regular contributors here. Uh, we'll go to the Bedfordshire, Buckinghamshire da- uh, border. First of all, Pete, Pete Willis, Stinky Pete. <laughs> I'm sure you love that name. Hello, Pete. Stinky Pete, yeah, it works. We're all good. Stinky Pete, that's good. And uh, we, we need a nickname for, uh, well, welcome back anyway, Pete. Um, and from um, Melbourne, live in Melbourne, Australia once more. A little bit, had a bit of a lie in this morning, didn't you? Because of the, uh, the daylight savings time that you've started over there now. Uh, but it's Austin Dunmore, singer, guitarist, um, all round great human being, Austin Dunmore. Thanks for welcome. Good. Thanks for being back again. Great um, to be back. Thank you. And I'm sure you love the singles. I'm more of a singles man than I know uh, than Nick and Pete is actually probably. Um, that's Austin, not so sure. Have you, you a bit of singles in you as well, rather than albums? Or are you more an albums man? I. Uh, Probably uh, a bit of both, to be fair. I think uh, some artists uh, just, uh, you know, use the singles format. Uh, to promote their uh, albums. Like, well, uh, not to promote their albums, but uh, as, a, uh, as a standalone format in its own right. Well, that's true. Does that still get done nowadays? I know that, that was done. I know in the 60s, 70s, not maybe so much these days. I well, don't know what's going on these days, you know. There's no albums yeah. so much these days, are there? Are the singles? I mean, I don't. I don't know it's just a collection of singles, really, isn't it? You, yeah, you get an album, yeah. and they they just sort of chuck out the first eight tracks as singles, don't you? Yeah. I mean, in fact, they you get all of the singles in the chart all together. Well, you know, you know where the, uh, the 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 album uh, like concept comes from the the very different definition of an album, like a photo album, because it used to be like the seventy eight shell acts. And they mm. would get released mm. in a in a folio. That was the album. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fair point. Well, what's a single then? What's a single? Who a knows? Single. But I like, I like singles. I like because I'm 
probably because I'm just a little bit impatient and uh, like listening to singles. But what we're going to do, change the format slightly. We are all going to, we've all provided um, or written down, prepared our 10 picks of singles from 1980. All of us have got a list here. So we'll go round alternately, uh, one at a time, just taking the, they're at random. Uh, they can be at random. They can be in order, whichever way they want to do them. Mine are in, uh, in random order. You no, know, it's difficult to pick the best one. Um, but we'll go around one after the other and see uh, any comments, whether we've got them. If someone else has got the single in their list as well, you can just five buttons. So, yeah, I've got that in my list. One thing, I, I, there's no point even trying to guess what Pete's got in his list, like I tried to last week, because... They say he's not a singles man. He's probably had a, he's probably only bought about seven and a half singles in his entire life. Well, I'm going um, to do that in a minute. So. All right, okay, <laughs> fair enough. Um, what I do, what I'm fairly certain of saying, is that there won't be any Kate Bush, Queen, or Judas Priest in the list. That you are absolutely right about that. <laughs> it should be interesting, anyway. It should be quite varied. Um, and I've got, I so I've got a list of I can throw in at the end as, uh, as listeners have provided. So where shall we start? I think I started with ultimately Pete last week, didn't we? Because I went the wrong way. So we're going to head down under to Austin, 1980. Have you, you got any initial observations or anything you want to say about 1980 and the music from 1980, or you want to crack on? Absolutely. Yeah, no, uh, I think it's important to talk about what was going on at the time. Um, if uh, uh, if you've uh, followed me closely on Twitter, you'd know that I have a, a categorization of, of uh, like phases of, of rock, um, particularly, uh, I guess, popular music in general. And uh, around 1978, 79, like the, uh, the punk explosion had happened uh, in, in the mid seventies. Um, and, and that had, that, that had caused some of the bigger bands to kind of, uh, like, uh, pivot and, and kind of go for a more stripped back sound. But I think new, the, the new wave, uh, that, that, that was starting to emerge around 78, 79, um, pretty much, uh, through, uh, everybody on their ear. Um, and uh, like a, a lot of the, a lot of the bigger bands at the time, uh, struggled to adapt. Um, there's, uh, yeah, there, there's some uh, like absolute clangers from from some of the the larger artists. I'm thinking of like Queen's Hot Space. And, oh, uh, it's terrible! Oh, what, a, what a dreadful <laughs> album that was! Oh, throw that away! <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, so that brings that brings us on to maybe a possible theme that we're going to have. We're discussing this maybe um, is to discuss the worst albums. Yeah, we were discussing that the other artists. day, weren't we? That is, yeah. uh, that is a corker of a burst out. But, yeah, sorry to interrupt you there, Austin. But, Carry on. Yeah, but uh, even Billy Joel's The Nylon Curtain is is probably an example of an album where he struggled and then, like, uh, and, and, like pivoted, completely changed tack and then kind of, like, uh, settled on a, on a new direction for the 80s. So New yeah. Wave was a, a very turbulent time for artistic identity. Um, mm. And... Uh, and so I'm going to start with Billy Joel, actually. So uh, the uh, the album is Glass Houses, mm-hmm. and the I mean, there's he released three banging singles off this, uh, but the one I'm going to talk about is it's still rock and roll to me because I think it's it's quite thematic. There was please, sir, um, please, a, sir. A, a I've got that in my time. list. I've got that in my list as well. So that's good. Yeah, sorry, you you sorry. Oh. 
So, uh, uh, what to say about it? Uh, it's uh, it's kind of well, it was a number one hit uh, in the states at least. Um, uh, and uh, the, uh, the the lyrics are just really very clever. Um, like he, he kind of yeah. touches on like the, the the recycling of of fashion themes. Um, and it's just really, really well done. And, and he does it in a, like, he does it in like that kind of early, like new wave rock style. Mm. I think there's kind of a bit of that, you know, uh, knack, whatever, like a bit of a, bit of a, um, a, a hint of like a, like rockabilly, mm. like the, the new yes. rockabilly sound guitar in there. And I, I think he just, he, he, he like, he, he looked like he still had his, uh, his finger on the pulse. So it sounded like he still had his finger on the pulse, yeah. I should say. Good album. Good album. Yeah, it was a good album, and um, mm. yeah, I, I, I got the feeling that he was a little bit miffed at the music press, maybe, or the uh, just the music industry generally for for thinking that his music wasn't. It, it was very. Uh, how do they call it uh, in the states? Uh, adult contemporary, maybe, or middle of the road pop. Um, when in fact, you know, it wasn't really. And as you say, some of the musical styles um, that are that the new musical styles were just rehashed of the old ones. Yeah, I agree. I mean, after all, it's still rock and roll, isn't it? It's still rock and roll. And that was a great single. Yeah. He actually, because I, I, I had this, I had this list, uh, this song in my list as well. There are actually five singles released from it. Um, probably not very big all over the world. Every one of them. As you say, it's still rock and roll to me was a number one. Um, as was, I think you may, was, you may be right. You might, you may be right. Was definitely one of them. Maybe yeah, uh, that was one of them. But he had also all for Lena was a single. At least in the in the UK, it was a single. Uh, I think got the top forty in the UK. Maybe it wasn't released uh, anywhere else. Um, no, you may be right. Actually, it was number seven in the US, number twenty eight in Australia. And of course, another great song from that. Sometimes a fancy was from there as well. But the other great one I thought was "Don't Ask Me Why." Yeah, oh, all of them great songs. Uh, Don't great ask me why. Songs, is one of my great yeah. yeah. Okay. Good. Love a love a bit of Billy Joel, to be honest. And it's still yeah, rock and roll time. Peter, not such a Billy Joel fan, I know. Well, he can play the piano. That's a good start. Um, oh, and, and sing, yeah, he can do that too. Uh, so this was this was an interesting challenge for me because um, I did uh, I did a, did a little bit of research because you know that's what I do. Um, I'm 64, and um, in all of my life, I've acquired 61 singles. <laughs> and um, I say acquired because I'm pretty sure that 14 or 15 of those, there's no way I spent money on, so I have no idea where they came from. Um, so um, and I kind of looked and. I, I bought a batch of singles in sort of 1971 to 73, which was um, when I only had enough money for singles. And Good then era. Soon, yeah. huh? And then, as, era. Yeah, yeah. And then as soon as I, uh, as soon as I had the money, if I liked the single, I just bought the album. So yeah. I, I'd stop buying singles. Um, and then I, I then had another period between 1988 and 1996, where I also appear to have a lot of singles. Um, and that is because my wife at the time, said, oh, one of the kids likes this single. Um, when you go into town on Saturday morning, go to Woolies and see if you can get it. So as a result of that, I've got a bunch of a bunch of singles with Woolworths stickers on and I bought them for the kids. 
Um, and then somehow they ended up in my record collection. Anyway, that's a long way round of saying that I've literally only got four singles from 1980. Um, and I've included three on this list, not because I particularly like them, but because I actually paid money for them. So I felt that they should be there. Uh, and then there was a fourth one. I have no idea what it is. I've no idea where it came from. I, I've never heard the song. I, I just, it, uh, but it was the 77th biggest seller in um, in, in 1980 because I checked and it was produced by Chaz from Chaz and Dave. And that's all I'm prepared to say on the matter. Okay. Anyway, so that's, <laughs> this, this is my, this is my background. So on that basis, my first one is one that I actually own, um, which I paid money for. Uh, and that is um, One Day I'll Fly Away by Rand oh, Randy Crawford. Crawford. Who, do, you know, do you know what? I nearly had that one. I nearly put that well, one. I'm a massive Randy Crawford fan. Well, I am. And she's everything. Yeah, she's got a great yeah. voice. And oh. uh, I think that her, um, you know, street you might need somebody, a version of that. Yeah, yeah, you remember pretty, you might need somebody. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so she's she's got a great voice, and as you know, I'm a singer. So because um, I'm sure as hell not very good as a guitarist. Um, so um, you know, it, it's the it's the voices that always get me. First yeah, off. I did nearly put that one in. Um, but anyway, so yeah, uh, one day I'll fly away, Randy Crawford. That's it. Moving on. <laughs> good, good song. Good song. Yeah, a, a number two hit in the UK was "I One Day I'll Fly Away." Well, there we um, go. Yes, yeah, high. Don't I don't see it as a hit. In, have you? Do you know the song, uh, Austin? I do not. You do not. Okay. Yep. Randy Crawford was in the. No, she wasn't. She recorded with the Crusaders. Crusaders. She wasn't yeah, she, she was wasn't a guest. With them. No, okay. she was a guest singer. Just a one-off thing, wasn't it? Street Life. Street Which Life. Is a fantastic song. Yeah, absolutely brilliant song. Right. Okay. Well, that's a, that's a change of pace for you, Pete. Oh, I've Rand, got a Randy Crawford. Oh, I've got a few. <laughs> right. Uh, Nico Lars, what have you got for your first one? Right. Yeah, it's a bit of a mixture. I mean, I don't buy singles, really. I, I think I've probably got about 40. That's it, ever, you know. But I just looked at what was released in that year as singles. You know, and thought, right, you know, what would I have bought or what would I thought was, was a good record? And um, the first one I'm going to have is uh, No Self-Control, Peter Gabriel. Because, um, funny enough, although not not really a Genesis fan much, I'm a big Peter Gabriel fan. And I thought his solo stuff was very, very different. Yeah, it was brilliant. Um, it was kind of modern, but it was not. It was, I could, you know, I mean, funny enough, it was inspired by Steve Wright, music for 18 composers, uh, musicians. Steve Wright is a avant-garde kind of classical composer. Uh, Robert Fripp played guitar on it, Phil Collins on drums, Kate Bush on backing vocals. And, uh, ah, yeah. that's why Very it's interesting. in. Kate no, Bush no, 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 no. <laughs> no, no, no. That's not why it's in, but it's a, it's a great track. I mean, it could have aimed without Frontiers. Um, there was a few, but No Self-Control is very edgy. Only child at 33. You know, oh, you've done uh, because like, I, he was more of a album guy, really. So, mm. you know. but yeah, that's my you first. Did one. Good singles, mm. interesting good singles. singles, slightly yeah. different, interesting. Yeah. You know, it wasn't your they average pop song. Yeah, they weren't run of the mill. These singles were they? they were, as you no, say, they were no. all quite um, different. Probably the most poppy one he had was 
ironically, of course, was probably the, the biggest hit that he had, which was, of course, Sledgehammer, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, Shot of a monkey and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. His, his big one here was a bit uh, edgy, desperate. Sorry, Austin. His big one in Australia was uh, Salisbury Hill. That's his big Salisbury one. Hill. Yeah, that's, yeah. The song, that's the song that everybody knows, Peter Gabriel, for post Genesis. That was the first album, wasn't it? Was single that was the first, first That was his first yeah. single. And, first. And, he, and his first single, yeah. yeah. Yeah, first single, and it was off the first album. But I, Which I is a great song. Sledgehammer must have been big, big over there, too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, we had. Um, Oh, what was it? Uh, maybe Countdown Revolution by then, but uh, Australia had a strong kind of uh, like uh, MTV esque culture. Like yeah. we had, uh, we had music television programs from the mid seventies right through to the mid eighties, and uh, right, and right. so that uh, that Ardman Studios, uh, you know, like claymation clip was, uh, yeah, it was um, very prominent. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, excellent. Yeah, okay. Um, Your go. Well, it is my go, but I, I've had. I was with. I'm. It's still rock and roll to me, so I'm quite willing to go back to Austin now for his second one. So that's my first one done. It's still rock and roll. We've both covered it. Okay. So we'll, we'll skip <clears throat> me out for that and go to Austin for your number two. Yeah, it, it was uh, interesting hearing Pete talking about uh, the eras that uh, that he had singles from because uh, the other thing i didn't really say about uh, about the new the era of new wave is that the the other things that were going on at the time which was the emergence of uh or, or the, the the dominance uh, of ascendance of fm radio over am like that really kind of happened maybe like 77 78 or so but mm. um it meant that uh yeah like um uh there was a uh, like that, that there was a bit of a demand for for, for music that, that suited the the format a bit more. There there were programming rules that, that were starting to come in. Songwriting needed to be tightened up, uh, that sort of thing. Um, and also a bit of a, a an economic downturn. Um, so album sales were dropping off a cliff. Uh, record labels were were letting go of entire marketing departments, all that sort of thing. So my impression is that uh, singles. Uh, were perhaps a uh, like like it, it was kind of a purple patch for for, for singles because of the uh, the the the, uh, the various uh, market demands and constraints, mm. um, and the uh, the great bulk of my singles collection I've got oh, maybe 150 of them or so uh, is from like 79 to 82, uh, 78 79 to 82. Like there's just that there's a lot of a lot of stuff that I, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't necessarily go and like amass a huge album collection over, but uh, mm. but yeah, the, the singles are fantastic. Anyway, this is another one from an album, and it's okay. Australian. I think it was a like a like a worldwide hit. So the it's Split Ends, uh, the True Colors album, and the uh, the the lead track uh, I Got I You Got You, yeah. Yeah, yep. great song. And absolutely great. That is a great yep. song. Yeah, and so this was this was uh, Tim Finn's younger brother Neil, uh, his uh, his first uh, first stint with the band, um, and uh, that the band had been around for a, a good few years before that, and and they'd been a, a kind of an art rock, perhaps New Zealand's Genesis, um, right. uh, <laughs> or something, or, or, or Sparks. They were kind of in that territory. Yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. And and when New Wave came along, they just uh, that th- they were kind of 
perhaps one of the exceptions that they adapted uh, very, very quickly and smoothly in, into incorporating new wave sounds. And so I got used uh, uh, right, right in the the pocket stylistically. It's got that you know kooky you know lead you know synth kind of line, yeah. and then the edgy guitar sounds, and the, the whole thing just comes together really well. And uh, and Neil Finn's uh, just his his superb touch with a with a song. Just uh, yeah, it was a, yeah, it's a great song. Yeah, a very great. very very well deserved hit for them. Yeah, and we, yeah, 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 definitely. And we've definitely. had this discussion before, but it must be annoying when for them. Um, uh, maybe as well as every Australian, when everyone seems to think they're an Australian band, when in fact they're not, they well, are New I, Zealand. I, maybe. I called it, yeah, I called it Australian because it was recorded in an Australian studio. Yeah, I mean they they were they were based in Australia. They were uh, they, they were uh, I mean obviously they were they're still going back and forth between Australia and New Zealand. Um, yeah. but it's uh, yeah, the, the lines are a little bit blurred, but. Yeah, you have to acknowledge that they're they're a New Zealand band first and foremost. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was was it both the Finns that went to form Crowded House? It was, wasn't it? Uh no, it was just Neil, just and Tim, then, and, and just no, Neil, Neil, and then I Tim mean, Neil, joined yeah. for the Woodface album, which I think was maybe album number three, which was probably the biggest one, wasn't it? Yeah, it had uh, uh, weather with you, and yeah, a couple of couple. It's of only movies. natural. Yeah, four seasons in one day. Okay, which it which isn't split ends, we know, but it sort of carries on that sort of sound, doesn't it? Maybe a more, maybe more. Uh, I guess I don't well, know, more I, I guess, American sound. I, I guess it's uh, like it. What it is is Neil Finn's uh, entry into split ends uh, st- uh, kind of started that sound. So it's mm. really the Neil Finn sound. Like split ends kind of took on Neil Finn's personality as uh, mm. as he came on board, and and uh, they they steered towards a uh, a more pop kind of orientation yeah, uh, in, yeah. in, the, in the early eighties. Yeah, yeah, because they weren't massive here. Split ends. I mean, I got you was a hit. Um, but mm. I, I don't recall any other. I don't recall I don't any know, other. No, they weren't, they weren't massive. Uh, but that, that was it. Yeah. Right. I can't even remember where, where that got in the chart. Actually, I got you. But yeah, what you got then, uh, Nick, for your. Or is it Pete next? It's Pete next. Pete. Pete, Pete next. Go, Pete. Well, I'm going for the second of the actual, al- uh, the actual singles that I own. Um, and obviously it's me, so you know that there is going to be a yes reference in there somewhere. Uh, and bingo, I've got a yes reference. Uh, so, um, <laughs> uh, so I've chosen uh, "Take Your Time" by John Anderson, and that's from his uh, "Song of Seven album. Um, that was a good album. I saw him on that tour. Yeah, it was a really good album. Albert Hall. Like yeah. Song of Seven was a great track, wasn't it? That Song was of Seven was a good track, but um, yeah. but um, but Take Your Time was was the single. And actually, yeah. he had another hit single that year with uh, Vangelis from the Heaven and Hell album, um, which yeah. was whatever it was called. I can't remember. Um, I've got the album as well, but um, yeah. yeah. So um, um, I obviously I obviously bought it because I didn't buy the Song of Seven album, and I must have thought. Let's buy the single. So I did. So uh, yeah, yeah. Buy, buy the album. I thoroughly recommend the album. By the um, way, what's I, the song, what was the single called again? That off take, that it, one? take your take time. time. Take your time. Yeah, I do remember yeah. that track. Yeah. It was. It I charted. I, I think it was charted at number forty. I think that was as high as it got. Yeah, I don't uh, think it did. Much, no, it did, but, but I mean, it, yeah. it wouldn't, would it? But no, um, it wouldn't. No. But um, but he did have two. He did have two chart singles in 1980. That was one of them. So yeah, there we yeah. go. My yes reference. Early it dis- doors. It disappointed me there, Pete. If if disappointed is the right word, 
Because <laughs> Yes did have an album that year. Uh, they drama. Yes, which um is which did have one, a single on it, and I was. I, but, I, but there's no way I was going to choose it because I don't particularly like drama, and in fact, I was involved in a Twitter spat <laughs> about this very <laughs> subject this very okay. day. You know what? I wish I hadn't said that now. <laughs> they would uh, put, play all 21 Yes albums and put them in order, and they put drama top, and I, I had to shout at him. But anyway, there is, this the right, uh, is this the right place for an argument? Yeah, <laughs> yes, that's, yeah, that's, yeah. That's, the full half hour. We're going one <laughs> Anyway, moving on. So there's me Yes reference. Oh, yeah, that's a good Talk about, about something uh, interesting. <laughs> I really liked that. I really liked that album. So I saw him on the tour at the Albert Hall. It was a concert I really remember well. Uh, my one's. Uh, sort of a band that were I think they were kind of dubbed in with the new wave of British heavy metal scene in the early 80s because we did have a kind of new wave of British heavy metal and there was a few bands involved in that and um, I, I know who this is going to be you know who this is going to be oh, I know it's, uh, it's Saxon 747 it's Strangers in the Night Biff I love it I love it I've always loved that track and I just yeah um, yeah, great song. Um, but apparently it was it was about a real plain incident. But uh, Mr. C, Big C is going to fill us in more. But it was at the actual incident happened in 1965, didn't it? It did indeed. I think yeah, 1965. It was um, it was a Scandinavian Airlines flight, not the 101, which is what yeah, the lyrics exactly say. <laughs> no, actually, it was. Um, funnily enough, again, if funnily enough is the right uh, term. The, the flight number was 911, funnily enough, as I said. Yeah, 911 it was. Um, and, yeah it, it, yeah, it had to die because of the power cut. It had to divert to – had to land at JFK when there were no, uh, no lights. Ground there. lights. Yeah. God's sake, get your ground lights on. Yeah, I love it. I love that record. Uh, it's, I, I've got it on uh, a couple of compilation albums. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's a good, great song. It really is. It is a good song, isn't it? It's, it's I often, love it. And they're it's still everything. going. Saxon are still going. I love it. I, I love I, it. It's entirely, I saw them a couple of years ago. Oh, this shows how old I am. It's not a couple of years ago. It was the High Voltage Festival, and the last one of those yeah. was in 2011. So that's basically 10 years, isn't it? <laughs> but I, it I, saw them, I, I saw them in 2010 at High Voltage. They were really good. Yeah, I've seen them a couple of times over the years prior to that, but yeah, they are good. They are yeah, good bands. Yeah, they've had some ups and downs in their careers, but yeah. just yeah. just just looked it up. It was nine eleven, um, but more more importantly, we'd like to get these things right. Nineteen sixty five. It couldn't have been a seven four seven because they didn't go into the commercial service till nineteen sixty nine. No, you're right. They didn't. So it's more likely to be. As it says, it's more likely to be flown by a Douglas DC eight. For yeah. all you uh, Ameri- uh, aircraft buffs out there, plane spotters. <laughs> um, and uh, the incident caused a major overhaul in safety and prompted the uses of reserve fuel tanks as Scandinavian 911 almost used up all of its fuel. Mm. Mind you, you can uh, yeah. circle over JFK for about three days. So it's not a surprise, really. Yeah. <laughs> he says, speaking from bitter experience. Yeah. <laughs> but we won't go into that. Do I get one now? I get yes. one, don't I? Okay. You'll go. Well, I, I would say probably on a on a on a par maybe with Austin's uh, uh second choice in terms of music, perhaps. Squeeze. They're a London band. 
Um, and uh, had a number of uh, great songwriters. Um, yeah. Glenn Tilbrook and Chris Difford. Are, are you familiar with the band Squeeze Down Under? The uh, yeah, we. I mean, so, some of the uh, some of the stuff that was big in the UK. Obviously, we didn't uh, we didn't get all of it. We got most of it, I think. Um, yes. Yeah, the big and they were known as the as UK Squeeze. I don't oh, know. There was oh, another Squeeze. Yep. The 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 big hit that we knew from them was um, uh, Cool, cool for for Cats, Cats. Maybe yeah, That's Cool for one. Cats. Yeah. yeah, that was the big um, one, wasn't it? So this was after that. Um, it was the album Argy Bargy. Now, the song I'm picking uh, is called uh, Another Nail in My Heart. Good song. Which, yeah. You like it? Good. Oh, I'm glad someone does. Um, yeah. Oh, I like Squeeze a lot. I feel like they're funny. And they were funny. Much. They had funny. Did George Allen didn't squeeze. He, he was. Uh, he was on keyboards. In fact, he is, he is playing the keyboard at the end of this song, actually. Um, but so he's him and Glenn Tilbrook. And Chris Difford wrote and the lyrics. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and when George, well, George Holland left, and uh, the guy I took over from was Paul Carrack, yeah. who had previously oh. been in Ace. He was how long? Ice, yeah, Ace, yeah, yeah. That's right. And Ice, yeah. also, he was the lead singer for. Mind you, they had a lot of lead singers. I think uh, Mike and the Mechanics. And so he, I he, think you'll find the living years Dunstable's most famous um, musical export. Well, other than Peter Willis, uh, apart from the, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, the, no, the bassist of Jethro Tull lived in the town as at one point as well. you might want to check. You might want to check that out. But I remember having a conversation with the bloke in the picture framers who does all my rock memorabilia stuff oh, I bet you do. Um, yeah. and um, <laughs> he was a big uh, he was a big Paul Carrick fan and I'm fairly sure he said he was local I may have got that completely wrong Dunstable residents don't hit me but well, uh, <laughs> no, he's, he's got a great voice it's Paul yeah, Carrick um, yeah. I mean he, he did he didn't sing many for Squeeze actually um, although he's probably his biggest, lot, his biggest US hit uh, Squeeze's biggest US hit was um, was called Tempted mm. Tempted by the Fruit of Another and he sang the majority of that. I think Tilbrook had the second verse, but he sang the first one. Um, yeah, but their, their hit, as it says, as Nick said, they were they were they were they were great songwriters, and they were highly original, music. very humorous. No one liked really. They were original. Um, southeast Southeast London, but they were. Out I mean, that, it was that kind of they were around at the same time as Ian Jury and the Blockheads and all that kind mm, of really mm, just it was very different kind of writing. Interesting. Is it called New yeah, Wave? Yeah. Is it New Wave? I mean, that's the thing. I don't know. I suppose they come up in the New Wave scene, really. I mean, they, they didn't come yet. out of that. Yeah, yeah. Till, yeah. And, there's, there's a, and you there's had a, that humour in Ian during the blockage, didn't you? You had that yeah, same that's, sort that's, of humour. You did. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And there was, there was a, a, a banging, if, if I can use that term, uh, guitar solo, actually, uh, quite early on in the song by Glenn Tilbrook, which is... Uh, it's worth a listen to. Yeah. It's called Another Nail in My Heart. It's, it's a usual, typical, typical sort of cocktail for them of, lyrically at least, uh, lost love, heavy drinking, um, and culminating in the, the chorus, memorable chorus, you know, and, uh, and here in the bar, the piano man's found another nail for my heart, you know. Um, number 17 in the UK, that's all it made. Apart from, I think Canada number fifty six. But apart from that, but anyway, that's my first one. Another nail in my heart. 
heading 10 hours away, <laughs> time-wise anyway, to Austin. What's your next one? Number three. So I wonder um, uh, if uh, if Pete's got uh, in his um, early 70s collection uh, this particular one. Uh, oh, an actual single. Colin, Colin, Colin Blunstone. Oh, uh, oh classic. Absolutely classic. Say you don't mind. Yeah. So There's I, I discovered clip. this. There's a great clip on YouTube of him doing it live with a string quartet on the old grey whistle test. And his voice Ooh. is just amazing. Absolutely amazing. I think so. I might be wrong, but I think I saw Colin Blunstone with Eric Clapton at the Royal Albert Hall in the nineties. I think he played with him a few times, and I think I'm pretty sure he was a brilliant musician. Fantastic. Yeah. 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 Like he, amazing he, voice, beautiful voice. Unique oh, yes. voice, wasn't it? Yep. Yep. So uh, he did a thing in 1980 with a guy called Dave really? Stewart. What ah. becomes of the Broken Hearted? Okay. Okay. Yes. Uh, no, I no, thought it was different mix, but it's Dave it's Stewart. a different Dave Stewart. <laughs> oh, and really? so this this Dave Stewart never released an album. So like this is yeah, if you haven't got the single, that's uh, <laughs> I remember I remember that song. I remember that song now. Yeah, I remember yeah. that song. Yeah, and yeah. like nice. I like nice. it's like it's obviously like it like it's 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 got Motown all over it. Like it's, yeah, it, yeah, it's yeah. absolutely a soul song, but it's done with this, uh, like really, uh, like, like, like dissonant kind of keyboard riffs. It's, it's, it's very, very inventive. And, and just that combination, the clash of the, the, the sweet and, and sour of the, you know, the, the Motown with the kind of, mm-hmm. um, like v- very modern kind of, uh, synth lines, um, I just like I've always loved it, and so this is this is something that uh, that we did get in Australia. I I have yeah. no idea how big it was in the UK. Um, it was pretty big, pretty big. But I think that was pretty big that record. Believe okay. believe it or not, I have that seven inch in my collection. I'm I'm very impressed. Yeah, I yeah, have that yeah, seven inch in my Im- collection. Impeccable taste. And I've, I've been I was frantic while you were going on about say you don't mind. I was frantically searching. I was like. That wasn't 1980. <laughs> oh, it can't have been. And, I, I, uh, I only know, I only know whatever, yeah. Yeah, I only yeah. about that one, uh, courtesy of uh, uh, um, uh, our friend uh, David Hepworth. Oh, cool. So, oh, David Hepworth, yeah, yeah. He, he yeah. raves about it in uh, in the Never a Dull Moment book. The book, so yeah. I went, yeah. oh, I've got to, I've got to yeah. chase this up. So I got a copy and just went, yep. This is great. Yeah, I don't know much about Dave Stewart, but Blundstone, I always thought, was very, very inventive. And his records were very different. Superb. Just very different. Yeah. But, yeah, 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 just superb. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. You know. Yeah. So uh, the original song, um, What Becomes of the Broken Hearted, was done by oh, uh, Jimmy, Jimmy Ruffin. Ruffin. Back, Jimmy Ruffin. Back, Jimmy in 60, Ruffin yeah. back in 66. 66, which, yeah. Which would have been contemporaneous with uh, like Blundstone's first activity with the Zombies, which was his mm. first uh, fir- oh, uh, first, first band. band. Yeah. yeah. So uh, like he was doing what um, she's not there, and then Time of the Season, and like that was with he, um, that was with Rod Argent, wasn't it? That was, it was with Rod Argent, correct? Yeah. And, and Rod, Rod Argent produced. I'm pretty sure Rod Argent produced. Uh, so you don't mind? Yeah, probably. I, uh, can't quite remember, but yeah, uh, but Argent did produce a couple of things for him in the early seventies. Yeah, yeah, um, great so I wouldn't stuff. Be great that stuff. was one of them. Yeah, brilliant, excellent. That was that was a Motown one, wasn't it? The Jimmy Ruffin. 
It was, yeah. It was, yeah. It's right. yeah. probably one of my favourite Motown songs, actually, once once what becomes of the broken hearted. But yeah, I, I mean I wouldn't I wouldn't even have imagined that you would have had that in your list. But seeing the sleeve there, I, I, I definitely remember it. But Dave Stewart did get around, but as you say, this isn't the Dave Stewart. There's really. <laughs> another Dave Stewart. But there, I seem to be a lot of Dave Stewart's about, yeah. There was a big hit over here in oh, not in 1980. I think it might have been might have been the following year, perhaps. With uh, we got to number one, it was It's My Party. And I'll cry with if you want if I want to. Barbara Gaskin and Dave Stewart, but I think that was the Dave Stewart. I that was the Dave that Stewart. One. That was the that was the Dave Stewart, yeah. Well, yep. Yeah. Yeah. So Dave uh, Barbara Gaskin uh, uh, is on backing vocals on the B side of uh, of this one. Uh, that, uh, that Dave Stewart is the mentor of Joanne Shaw Taylor. He was really the yeah. what the really no the the Eurythmics Dave Stewart is, yeah. is Joanne Shaw Taylor's mentor. Yeah, he was really? the one who guided her into the industry. Yeah, I I, I was just a just a little bit of a bypassing. I understand Joe Bonamassa's produced the new uh, Joe Anshul. I just well, I got it was delivered this week. Ah, oh, any good? Any yes, good? I mean, I I've, I've seen old, her about four times. I yeah, I've her. seen. Yeah, I I love it. But um, old blues standards. It's all old blues songs. It's oh, absolutely yeah. fantastic. Do you know, the last time I saw her, last time I saw her, she was supporting Robin Trower, and she blew him off stage. Trower was so boring. Yeah, I know this has yeah. nothing to do with 1980, but she is fantastic. Everybody should yeah. have everything, Joe, everything she ever recorded. Yeah, She's yeah, fine. I just had to, uh, yeah, digress. Yeah, carry on, yeah. as we were. Digress. Yeah. Moving on. <laughs> number, number four, Pete. That's number three, but anyway. Number three, you're close. Yeah, number um, three. Right, so this is the last one that I actually own, and this is, you're going to go, have you been taking drugs? Anyway, so this is Fame by Irene Cara. Oh, wow. I want to live forever. Do, do, yeah. Do, 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 do. yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Okay, so the reason I bought this was because... Okay. A catchy so Nick, song. A catchy Nick, song, though. It's, it's a brilliant song. It is a brilliant song. But the reason I bought it was because I got married at the back end of 1980. And one of my early memories of married life was my missus was working nights and all kinds of hours in the hospital. I was working all kinds of hours, nights and everything, rotating continental shifts in a chocolate factory. So we basically <laughs> never saw we basically never saw each other, and um, the well, uh, and, and you obviously and, did nine times, didn't you? Well, that was a lot later, Colin. Just all right. Okay. Anyway, so but my but my abiding memory of this era is that we would sit and watch the Fame TV series, and it was on either the same night or the night before Hill Street Blues, and yeah. that's one of my favourite TV series. So there's yeah, a kind yeah, of link yeah. between. Fame, Irene Cara, and Hill Street Blues, and Working Nights. That's it. Yeah. All I've got. Move on. Fair enough. Yeah, I yeah. did. I did like the record. I did like the record, and I quite like the series Fame. I remember the uh, proggy guy on the keyboards yeah, no, and the, the black, black guy. The, 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 the Italian lad on the keyboards. Yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was good. Bruno. It was good. But yeah, Bruno. That's right. That's Bruno. Bruno. Yeah, Bruno. yeah. And I liked Hill yeah. Street Blues. I must admit. That was a good song. Be careful good out there, Colin. Be careful out there. Be careful out there, yeah. <laughs> Be careful out there. Good bit of opening guitar on it, actually. Good bit of opening guitar on the intro on it. It's a, it's a good song. I'll tell you what, if this, I think yeah. it was 81 or 82, the theme tune for Hill Street Blues was a hit. And That's I, right. If that were Mike 80, Post. I might have had it in. Mike Post, yeah. Mike Post. Mike Post. Yeah. Right, okay, Irene Cara, that did surprise me. Uh, Nick? Uh, what's your number? Uh, well, okay, I, Rose number right. three. 
Yeah, this is from uh, a really big band. Uh, I don't. I think it crashed as a single here. I don't think it did anything. Uh, but it got to number eight in the US Billboard chart. And it's one of my favourite songs by the Eagles, written by Timothy Schmidt uh, of the long run. I can't tell you why. Beautiful song. Beautiful yeah, good song. song. Yeah, lovely. And uh, when I saw that was released in 1980, I thought, yeah, that was good. <laughs> Back of the net. <laughs> yeah, back of the net. Yeah, I think it's just a nice song. I think it's vocal. I think it's just good, you know, classic Eagles, but it's, you know. It's a great song. Um, it's a good song. What more can we say? Unlike, unlike anything else the Eagles do, don't it? Yeah, a little, yeah. It's a little, yeah. But, you know, it's got the Eagles vibe, you know. But it didn't yeah. do anything as a single. I mean, the long run no. wasn't as successful as Hotel California as an album, was it? It was a bit. Well, it wasn't anywhere near as good. It was good. That's probably why. Things were fraying around the edges a bit. I think. Colin, yeah, too, too much Laurel Canyon going on. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, Statsman, uh, what uh, what chart position did it reach? Do you know? I can't tell you why. Uh, I will tell you. It was number five in Canada, number forty nine in uh, the Netherlands. Was it actually it, released there? It was well. It's, it didn't. It didn't get a hit. It wasn't a hit in the UK, and it wasn't a hit in Australia yeah. either. Um, it, it might have been released, of course, but um, yeah. You know, and they don't have to be chart hits to be included yeah, in I, our. I remember it being on radio. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's a, it's a funny thing. Like, it got a lot of it got a lot of radio play. It did. Yeah. Yeah. Funny thing, okay. isn't it, uh, is that they should publish charts of, of radio rotation, which would be uh, completely at odds with uh, with the actual record sales, yeah, I, I suspect. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'm going on, um, sticking with the Eagles sort of link, I guess, vaguely, um, with my next one, which is um, Bob Seger. Mm. And this is the title track from... His, uh, I don't know which number album it was. Um, no, I don't know which one it was, but it was Against the Wind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was, uh, it, I said the Eagles link, it was produced by Bill Simpson, who produced the early Eagles albums, I believe. Uh, I won't ask anyone to spell. <laughs> Bill, you, Bill, it's B I double L, yeah, Bill. Um, no, Simsic. Oh, it's a lot of Z's and Y's and C's and K's in yeah. that name. Good uh, also, backing vocals by Glenn Fry. Yeah. Um, and uh, I was reading up a little about it. He, he, he says that he is exploring the space. Let's see whether you can understand. He's exploring the space between care and indifference from friends and loved ones. It's the theme. Uh, it made number five in the US. Wasn't a hit in the UK. In Australia, it was a massive number 92 hit. Wow. So, do you it, remember it's, that it's one? It's looking really impressed by I mean, yeah, I, I, I don't remember uh, like strong. I mean, I remember vaguely being aware of, of the song, but I don't yeah. think it had strong radio airplay. Um, uh, it, it's, it's funny because it sounds like it's of a piece with his kind of like mid-70s output um, and... Uh, probably if he had a hit with it, it's kind of in defiance of, of what else was going on at the time. Mm, agreed. Yeah, yeah. It, it's probably like the 
Um, maybe well, it's after Night Moose. We did that in '76, didn't we? But yeah, Night, yeah, Night Moose was '76. Similar to that, really. I guess still yeah. the same. Yeah. Was probably yeah. released just before it as well. But yeah, that's mine. I won't waste any more time on that one. Seager against the wind. So we're back to Austin. Okay, uh, I'll go with what's in my hand. So uh, uh, not sure what to say about this, except uh, oh well, actually. I, I do not say about this. So it's Paul Simon. Oh yes, late in the evening. evening, and it is it is my personal favourite uh, Paul Simon uh, song, uh, absolute favourite. And the funny thing about uh, his career at this point was that uh, he he'd been silent for about four or five years. Um, I think his last album was from seventy five or something, and uh, he he basically disappeared into the firmament and just kind of came out with. Uh, with this uh, soundtrack album and then uh, wouldn't basically, I, I don't think he'd be heard of again until Graceland or he, he might've had one, uh, one hour between this and that. Well, where does One Trick Pony fit into this? So uh, One that Trick was Pony, it. yeah, was a, uh, uh, the, the song it, or the I, film or I, the... The, uh, the lead single from his fifth studio album, One Trick Pony, it says late yeah. in the evening. Yeah. Right, so One Trip Pony was the album. I thought it was. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So it was It was a soundtrack album for a, for a film. I don't really know. Uh, maybe it was. Someone, yeah, someone yeah, yeah. Okay. Know, somebody I know who is listening to this show, that is her very, very favourite Paul Simon album. One Trip Pony. Okay. Yeah. So well done. Back of the net there, Austin. You chose Yeah, well. great. It's to like to, to, to listen, listening to the record itself, uh, it, it's... Uh, like it's so well recorded uh, and there's so much kind of like fresh percussion and um, it's just, he really knew how to surround himself with, with great musicians and, yeah, and, and always, the arrangements always. are great. Like just everything he, like every aspect is top shelf. Yeah. These uh, songs are just well crafted, aren't they? Sorry, Pete, go on. No, I was just going to say, I saw him, I've seen him live a couple of times. I saw him at the, um, the Graceland anniversary thing in Hyde Park in 20, whenever it was. Um, but I saw him at the Empire Pool in Wembley and he had the Brecker brothers in his backing yeah. band. And they were just, I mean, I love them. <laughs> and they were just absolutely brilliant. It was, yeah. you know, the range. Couldn't, couldn't get much better than the Brecker brothers behind oh, you, could you? I really mean, they were fantastic. Yeah, it was, it was yeah. a really good gig, really good gig. Yeah. Yeah. In the evening, yeah, lately a great song. I think he, yeah, they, he sang it at the reunion concert as well, I think the following year at Central Park with uh, Art Garfunkel, or Art Garfunkel singing on it, I don't know, but yeah. <laughs> I think he sang it there anyway. Mm. Um, you, you, you put us all to shame with the number of acts you've seen live, Pete, as always. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> every, every one. Is there anybody you haven't seen? Yes. I haven't seen Genesis and I haven't seen Pink Floyd and I yeah. haven't seen David Bowie. Well, so funny enough. Oh, there you go. There's some biggies he hasn't seen. Yeah. We're and he, gonna gonna like, he ain't seen Queen either, is he? Is he, 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 he worked out on it. He worked out on it. We're going to see Genesis next week. It's the first time we've seen it. I walked out of a U2 gig. Couldn't stand it. I walked out of Queen. Couldn't oh. stand that. Um, <laughs> Ian, Ian uh, Theo, who we were at school with, he went to see Genesis last night in Liverpool, said they were absolutely brilliant. Good. Good stuff. Yeah. That's good, though. Um, you know, doing the, it only, good. the only thing I can maybe beat is by saying that I saw the Beatles live. Yeah, that's pretty top of the hill, isn't it, really? 
Yeah, yeah. That is definitely, only, you were definitely another story. I was only four or five, yeah. But, <laughs> but it counts. It um, counts. It counts. It's definitely become <laughs> anecdotal <laughs> over the years. Um, are we on to you now, Pete? You are. Yes. yes. Okay, so this is uh, these are now things that I've either got on um, albums or I just like. Uh, so this one I have got on an album. This is While You See a Chance, Steve Oh, Lewis. Was that, was that 1980? Obviously it, it was. was 1980. This is, off from, this is off the album Arc of a Diver. Um, yeah, good I, album. Good I, album. Bought, I bought the cassette um, when it came out and I played it in the car and it basically t- ended up turning to spaghetti. Um, yeah. Happily walking around um, a, uh, uh, an antique shop or, a, you know, whatever, about three or four years ago, I found a copy of the uh, album which reunited me uh, with it. But I, it's an absolutely brilliant single. It's one of those ones where when you put it on and you hear that opening, those opening few bars and it starts to build and you have that, for me, what I love about music is how it excites you and it gets you in the gut and it's that whole raw emotion of what music is. And while you see a chance just builds and builds and builds and Steve Winwood is a blooming genius. And you know, that album is just wonderful. And, and that, that album is, that album is uh, kind of not a bum track on it. I think. No, that, no, exactly. Yeah. No, absolutely. It's one of those, it's one of those albums. Uh, it's, like... just, it's wonderful. It's a great and- album. This was a comeback yeah, album for him too, wasn't it? Um, yeah, like he hadn't been just, heard of for, for a decade. Um, yeah, because I mean, he was producing, wasn't he? he was writing. He wasn't. Uh, he wasn't doing stuff. He'd done the kind of traffic thing, and then he and then he did um, blind faith, and didn't he? In blind faith, yeah. 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 Um, but then, yeah. So he did this, and then he did, then there was another one the following year, which I've also got, which has got two or three singles on it, all were hits. So yeah, it was uh, it was him kind of coming back into the um, into the spotlight, really. But it's just a, it's a brilliant album. But I mean, we're talking singles. Why do you see a chance? Fantastic, love it. Yeah, I agree. I love the intro to that. I must say. Yeah, super. Uh, yes. Nick, Nick, you're on. Okay, this is uh, totally we have to speed different. up through these, aren't we? Now I think. Yeah. Okay. This is totally different, and um, because I do like some different stuff. Uh, Funkin' for Jamaica, Tom Brown. Oh, that's called silence. <laughs> Unkin uh, US Billboard chart um, UK hit the top 10 number 10 and US Billboard chart number 9 um, yeah and a girl singer on it Tom Brown was a jazz trumpeter but it was basically a great dance record okay gonna have to look that, that, that's one that's gonna have to be looked out yeah there'll be a few of these we'll probably yeah. great, great dance record that up Real good not, funky groove. You'll know it as soon as you hear it. As soon as you hear not, it, you'll know it. It's not the Tom Brown. It was a Radio 1 DJ that took over from Fluff it's, Freeman on the run chart right on Sunday It's not night. Fluff's, no, no. Fluff's successor. Not He's a trumpeter. <laughs> okay, jazz trumpeter. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a dance record. It was big in clubs. <laughs> right. and, but, you know, I love it. I absolutely okay. love it. Okay. All right, talking of dance, see, this might throw you as well from me. Um... Although the whole of the album probably was more dancey and up-tempo, I've gone for the least up-tempo song on the album, and I think his voice on this record is superb. Not that I'm a humongous fan of this guy. It's Michael Jackson. And it's She's Out of My Life. Out of My Life. Right. Uh, Yeah. 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 From Off the Wall. Yeah. Good album. Um, 
yeah, yeah. I love it. Um, the guy that wrote it apparently um, wrote the song. Well, it's rumoured he wrote the song about Karen Carpenter, whom he had had a relationship with for a while, but he denies it. Um, it's a Quincy Jones. Um, Quincy Jones had intended for, uh, Frank Sinatra to sing it originally, um, but he wanted uh, some more, you know, some songs to show Michael Jackson's full voice, uh, vocal range, and um, and to show and have some more mature themes in his song. So he gave it to him, and uh, it, it, you know, I just, I just love it. And uh, whether or not it's a, a proper tearful last word of the song the word that the word life at the end is is but apparently he he was he was in tears on all eight takes all seven takes of the song by the end of it um and it was left in by by Quincy Jones it was a UK number three it was a US number 10 and it was an Australian number 17 so not normally my bag but I do love that song that's a good song good album as well yeah Okay, yeah. we've had some we've had surprises here, haven't we? We had a few surprises. Well, some surprises. No, would, it surprise, would it surprise you to know that I've seen Michael Jackson live as well? Anyway, moving on. Um, <laughs> Same here. I've seen Michael Jackson live. Okay. Uh, uh, very good, actually. I mean, very good. He was, you know? he was fantastic. Yeah, Wembley Wembley yeah. Stadium, nineteen ninety. Same here. Yeah, Jennifer yeah. Batten on guitar. And, yeah, that's right. It was brilliant. Austin, yeah. on to you. Moving okay, on. Okay, the the last of my uh, my singles uh, here. Um, although um, I probably should have the album for this. Uh, is I uh, M Records. Oh, yep, the police. Don't stand the so police. close to me. Ah, okay. Ah, that was on the uh, yeah. list. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, about so, being a school teacher. Oh, and, like very well, kind of high highbrow lyrics. Uh, you know, <laughs> like referencing Nabokov and and. Yeah. Uh, and, and like a mature kind of subject matter as well, uh, and mm. like musically, they uh, they just they couldn't do anything wrong at that uh, at that point. Um, they, they were on a roll, um, and, and even just the arrogance of that, uh, you know, that that thir- like uh, like synth note just being held, um, you know, for thirty seconds at the start of the single, and you can hear like you can hear the guitar plugging in or something switching. I don't know what it is, but they're just like we don't, you know, we do not. Give I don't give a, a, a proverbial. Yeah, we're rock stars. We can do what we yeah, like. We're just yeah, exactly. Yeah. We're just going to set up while the tape's rolling, and it's all. Yeah, yeah. We're just going to leave it all switched on. It's so good. Yeah, it's a good record. Third, third verse. Um, you know, they ran out of things to sing about, so they just mashed the keyboard. You know, mashed the keys on the synth. You just that's no, it. That not? was uh, that not? was what they did for the third verse. It's hilarious. And uh, a yeah, number one here, hit. big hit in oh, yeah. Australia. I assume number yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What's just, on the B just, side? What's on the B side? Uh, uh, there? The B side is yeah. Friends. Loves the B side, does Nick? My my. Yeah. I think that's a non-album track. I'm gonna have to give it a spin. I believe that's a non-album track. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sheer audacity yeah. from the police. Yeah. The police. Number okay. one for quite a while. Uh, I did say I've got I've got a few uh, requests or, or, or mentions for albums. Uh, Cindy, who often produces some some good songs for us and albums, uh, I won't mention all of them for the moment. But two of them you've mentioned, Austin, which is I Got You from Split Ends. 
and don't stand so close to me by the police. She also had You May Be Right, so she had Billy Joel as well, but not your song. Uh, it's still rock and roll to me. So she's, you know, you're on a par with Cindy at the moment. Um, good song from the Zenyatta Mondata album, yeah? Zenyatta Mondata, orange and blue one. cover. That's the one. Okay. Peter. Right, so well, this is, we're halfway through now, aren't we? This is numero five. This is numero five, so, yeah. We need to um, do the second half quicker than the first, I suspect. Uh, yeah, but that always happens. Um, yeah. Right, so this one is uh, one of my favourite guitarists and uh, another guy who I think is pretty well note perfect, and this is Gimme the Night by George Benson. Oh, oh yes. Absolutely. I, t- I tossed up whether to put this in. Oh, well, listen, I, I've got George Benson's greatest hits. There is literally not a duff note on that entire album. I think he's wonderful. And and <laughs> this is a true story. I was working in, um, I was working for a Lexmark, the printing company, and they did all their training in um, La Défense in um, Paris. And the very last time I went there, I came up out of the La Défense metro station and walked right into the middle of the La Défense Jazz Festival, and George Benson was playing. Oh, so I had oh, 25 yeah. minutes free just standing watching George Benson with a bunch of French people drinking wine. He was bloody fantastic, and I just love He is an amazing guitar. Can I show you something? He's a brilliant this, is an, this is the... I, Look out, a GB10. Benson guitar. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I used to I used to work for Ibanez, and um, this was one of the first ones to come to England. It's got George Benson's signature in the sound hole, yeah, and right. um, well, and some um, yeah. And I'm a big Benson fan. Benson he's, could he's really fucking play the guitar. Oh, well, well, he's fantastic. You know. he's really and he could sing as well. He was a bit yeah. good at everything, no, really. You know. And I love his version of White Rabbit. I think it's just oh, brilliant. Well. But uh, no, anyway, so there we go. Um, if, we're, if we're rushing through quick, give me the night, George Benson. Give me the night, okay. Guitar genius. Good choice. Nick? Yes, yeah. Uh, right, okay. Um, oh, you caught me there. Right, so, Pete, if you want to sort of go to the toilet now or something, perhaps, or, you know. Oh, no, no. you're going to talk Kate Bush, aren't you? I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is, in fact, Kate Bush, who had a number of singles in this year, but this one she felt was her most progressive and best work at that point and i do also believe it was the most progressive best work at that point it wasn't played on the radio the bbc didn't like it being played much uh it was breathing about Mm. nuclear war and fallout etc uh uk um number 16 it was off the album never forever Roy harper is on backing vocals and um they're all well stoned when they made that and uh yeah but um (laughs) A real, you know, a very, very, I mean, as a single, you know, it was an odd thing for a single, you know. It was a very odd record. Very odd record. She she never really cared what she, you know, but it was a very odd track. And and also it was well over five minutes long. And, you know, but, you know, Yeah. yeah, for me, that was a... That's that's going to come in at Pete's number eight, I think. Actually, <laughs> uh, if, it's, if it's five minutes long, then uh, obviously I'm a big fan, and as long as <laughs> yes. I wasn't actually singing on it or involved in anything to do with it, then it'd be fine. But uh, other than that, you love Kate Bush. Yeah? I, I, she's wonderful. Yeah, she's right up there amongst my favourite people to run out the room for. Right, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna start picking some songs here that you probably none of you are gonna like because they are in the new wave. <laughs> The new wave. Oh, oh, new wave. We're getting a bit new wave. I've got a new wave. I've got a new wave. Right. This one, although the song isn't really 
Um, it's not an original, it's a cover produced by Phil Spector as he did the entire album uh, in 1980, end of the century. Um, and it is a cover that he insisted that they do, but actually only Joey, the singer, Ramon, there's a clue, uh, actually performed on it because the other three wouldn't have it. Um, but he, he was insisting he wanted them to get really massive commercial success. Um, and it was, to be fair, their biggest UK hit. It got to number eight, but I, I don't think it got anywhere in the States and it probably didn't get anywhere in America, in Australia either. Austin can confirm or deny that. Uh, but it's the Ramones and um, it's their cover of Baby, I Love You. Right. My slow tempo. Phil Spector was a bit of a nutter. There were rumours about him um, the around his mansion <laughs> holding guns to their heads. And, um, yeah, I mean, Tying DD, up, you know? DD Ramon has said, um, I just can't believe none no of the Ramones are left now. Um, yeah, he levelled his gun at my heart and he, made, and he motioned for me and the rest of the band to get back in the piano room. Then he sat down at his black concert piano and made us listen to him play and sing Baby I Love You until well after 4.30 in the morning. Didn't he used to leave a gun on the, the, the mixing console? <laughs> Wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> I think I think Lennon might have said that uh, Spectre was a bit like that as well. I, I don't know whether there was a gun involved in the Imagine, uh, during the recording of the Imagine album, um, but, yeah. yeah. The, the strings on it as well, which is, you know, very un-Ramone-like. Uh, but very Phil Spector-like, of course. Sound stuff, isn't it? Reliving his golden years, basically, with the Ramones. But Baby, I Love You, it was a top 10 hit in the UK, and I love it. Right. We are halfway through, but we need to rush through the rest. So we're going Austin number six. All right. I have this on my Best of Blondie uh, uh, LP, and oh. it is Call Me. And Blondie oh, okay. were in their imperial phase at that point. Yeah. I mean, oh, hardly even needs mentioning. They uh, they were very clever. You know that that intersection of like disco, new wave, and rock that uh, that they they mastered so uh, so incredibly well. Um, uh, and I think this was probably the last of their really big hits. Um, but I mean, it's just great. It's uh, you know it's got that uh, like fast uh, swing time beat um, and uh, yeah, it's almost kind of not quite heavy heavy metal new wave, but uh, yeah, just a great song. Was that, yeah. that was a Giorgio Moroder production, yeah? I think. Was it? I think really? so, yeah. I, I'm sure it was. It was from the film. Um, was it American Gigolo? Or it was from, I think it was American Gigolo. You are, it, yep, American Gigolo. You are absolutely yeah. right, Giorgio yeah, Moroder. I'm sure that was Giorgio Moroder, yeah. Yeah. Who, um, yeah. yeah. And I get, to you. Um, yes, I get, I get some brownie points for that one. Um, yeah, call me. Um, I think also I, I mentioned Cindy. She's got a Blondie song, but it's not that one. So well, you're still, was, you're still on a par. There was three or four that year. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, the one she's chosen is The Tide Is High. Yeah, great song. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, which, which is a John Holt song, uh, the reggae. Is it John Holt, really? John Holt song, Tide Is High, yeah. Oh, for me personally, because I'm more new wave a bit before, I think uh, I preferred the earlier Blondie to 
the the more uh, poppy uh, and this was quite disco-y as well wasn't it really obviously it was for a film so I probably didn't um was that was my that five, was, my I think it was a standalone hang on telephone good good song yeah um was that was that a standalone single i think actually call me or was it actually on an album can't remember. I've looked that one up. No idea. Yeah. I looked that one up. Oh, okay. it says from the album American Gigolo. Uh, obviously, oh. that was a soundtrack album, but um, yeah, it wasn't from a Blondie album specifically. Um, yeah, that must have been later on the year. Auto America must be later in the year because that had on, it, had on it the tidies high. Okay, Pete, after call right. me. My number six is a band who segued seamlessly from art rock to disco and this was the uh this was the not the crossover album this was the one after the crossover album uh so the single is oh yeah by roxy music and um, the album is flesh and blood um there was a couple of other singles off there same old scene and over you i like all of them but uh, yeah, yeah yeah oh yeah is my favorite and it kind of followed on from Manifesto, which was really the crossover album from art rock to art rock to disco. And again, this is kind of memories of uh, going out with the uh, girls that I work with at Cadbury's and going up to the Chelsea Reach and the Penny Farthing in uh, New Brighton on a Saturday night and um, having a bit of a, you know, bit of a... Go on. No, wait, yeah, wait, wait. No, I was married. I behaved. But, oh, right. uh, no, it was. Uh, it was just. Yeah, just memories. Of, memories of nights out on the Wirral with uh, with, yeah. the, uh, with the people from Cadbury's. But yeah, great song. Uh, I, I really like the album. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just a good. Yeah, it's a good. Uh, kind of vaguely discoy, rocky, whatever yeah. you call it. Yeah. I mean, like, rather like Blondie for me personally. I think I again I preferred the earlier. No, I prefer uh, early music. Well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Brian Ferry went, he went a bit too smooth for my. Oh, too sort of yeah. smooth around the edges, really, for my taste. But I, I mean, yeah, they did produce a few good singles. Yeah, um, and oh yeah, it was a good one as well. To be fair, um, yeah. I don't know where it got in the chart, but I can look that up. While Nick gives us his number six. Me? Oh, right, okay. Yeah, uh, this next one's a kind of, uh, yeah, uh, I suppose they come out of the kind of new wave kind of thing. Uh, they were pretty gothic. Uh, they did a cover, and I love the song. It's Bauhaus doing Telegram Sam. Oh, yes. Oh, my word. Wow. Telegram Sam is my favourite T-Rex record, and I love, I quite like Bauhaus, actually. <laughs> you know, um, yeah, they did a good version of it. Yeah. I don't think it charted very high. I don't know. Oh, I've got a number one in the UK, but that could be... No, uh, that's wrong. That'll be T-Rex. That'll be T-Rex. That's T-Rex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Bauhaus might have been number one amongst three spotty youths somewhere in Peckham, but it for sure yeah, might be one in any charts. <laughs> yeah, I yeah don't, lots of people wearing a lot of eyeliner. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember it. I don't think I've ever heard it, actually. Yeah, it's a good version. I'd have well, to Austin dig that one out. The, um, he needs to put it on the 1980 uh, playlist. Yeah. That, uh, we we'll can, do, yeah. We'll get into it. For sure. I, I do remember Bauhaus covering um, Ziggy Stardust. They and did that, a few covers, yeah. That was a hit, I think, yeah. That was, that was, yeah. Yeah. I think that was a bit earlier, but yeah, they did do that. Yeah, yeah I'm looking up Bauhaus and... Um, I don't number think number seventy-two. Number seventy-two. Not bad. 
Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's not it's, quite it's number one, was it? Better than that Australian number 95 that came up with uh, earlier on. <laughs> I can't remember which one it was. Uh, is it me now? I think it is, it isn't is. it? Yeah. Right, it is I, I'm, I'm sticking to the new wave theme here. I mean, this was um, a number one in Australia, and it was a number three hit in the UK. Uh, and a number 36 hit in America. It was actually their second single. The first single they wanted to, th- they knew that this second one was their best song. But rather than become a one-hit wonder, they thought they'd, they'd throw out an earlier single first, which was called Prisoners, and it tanked. Um, so this single, which was called Turning Japanese. Ah, Vapors. the Vapors. Yep. And the Vapors, right. yeah. yeah. You um, chose them for your um, for, for one of your uh, debut albums. I did. It's such a great debut album. Nuclear Days. Nuclear Days, spelt yeah, three yeah. different words, yeah. uh, was a great album. Um, produced by the Jam um, uh, produce, the producer, Vic uh, Commerce with Heaven, I think it is called, um, off the top of my head. I might have got that wrong. Um, but they were discovered by Bruce Foxton, who's a bass player for the Jam. Um they, they they got rid of the U from the word vapors because they wanted it to appeal to the American market. And to be fair, they, well, they did get a hit with it over there. Um, now, apparently, uh, lots of rumours about... They came from Guildford in Surrey. Um, and the lyrics apparently relate to teen angst and alienation following a romantic breakup Familiar themes. To feeling like <laughs> being from, Guildford. <laughs> yeah. To, 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 I've still got teen angst. <laughs> to feeling like being from a foreign culture. That was what they say the song was about. Yeah. On the other hand, it could be about masturbation. That's what everyone is saying that it's about. No, Who knows? Who no. knows? Who knows? But it, I think it was a great song. I remember they, I think they did a, um, they may have done a session for John Peel. On Radio One, yeah, I think they did. Japanese was clearly their best song, and uh, whether they didn't want to become a one-hit wonder, but effectively they did because they had a couple of hits after that, but they didn't really uh, uh, repeat the success of this at all. So, turning Japanese is mine. It it was a massive hit in Australia, and I had the single as a kid. I loved it. Yeah, it's a great song. Yeah, yeah. Funnily enough, I think uh, I think. It sounds more dynamic over the radio than it does on vinyl itself. It's uh, like just like back to back against something like Don't Stand So Close to Me. It's yeah. just a little bit flat. Mm. It's the strangest thing, but I mean, this is just strictly a vinyl experience. So. Yeah, okay. But but an interesting interesting one nevertheless. But uh, taking nothing away from it as a song, it is a great song. And, and now you're talking, you can talk again because you've got your next one, number seven. Okay. So uh, Turn Me Loose by Loverboy. Uh, so Canadian oh. band. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and uh, probably uh, in the – probably started the tradition that uh, that, uh, that that was continued by something like Eye of the Tiger, sort of a uh, um, like almost kind of – uh, heavy metal crossover kind of rock, but with a dance beat and um, uh, turn me loose has got uh, got some like great keys in it and just 
uh, an incredible like vocal delivery just the, the the vocal track the big scream he does in the second verse like uh, hitting a i don't know like a high g or something it's um uh when he sings beyond my way um and uh lover boy that i pretty sure that was their first big hit i don't know how it did in the uk but um it was was just checking it um it wasn't a hit in the uk it was a number three in australia yeah uh, and a number 35 in the us so lover boy yep um had uh oh god uh the production team uh bruce uh I've forgotten his second name, but his uh, his engineer was Bob Rock, and uh, and Lover. So Lover Boy's uh, production team uh, and the sounds that they got for them uh, eventually uh, uh, resulted in them uh, working with uh, other bands uh, that led to them working with Bon Jovi and 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 really uh, spearheading the uh, the hard rock sound that uh, that uh, dominated the rest of the eighties. Mm. so so an important an important record an important band for, for, mm. for that reason yeah yeah bob rock's name crops up a lot in the 80s doesn't it i was just rock. looking at the production it's got bruce fairburn producer that's, bob rock. that's him bruce fairburn yeah, yeah. Bruce fairburn. yeah bob yeah, rock yeah. engineer mike fraser assistant engineer yeah mike fraser did yeah lots of stuff too yeah, yeah absolutely okay okay uh monsieur willis okay so this is my nod to uh this is my nod to New Wave. I don't know whether you call them New Wave or not. It's not madness, um, is it? No. Oh, God, don't start me. Uh, listen, <laughs> Graham will switch off and never listen again if you uh, mention yeah. madness. Uh, no, this is uh, Going Underground by The Jam. Oh, okay. Uh, I've my, got this one. I've got this right. one. Well, they are my favourite New Wave band by a country mile. I think Foxton's brilliant. I think Bruce Wells yeah. is a superb songwriter. Um, yeah, I, I can't think of a jam song that I don't like. My favorite is Eaton Rifles, I think that's just an absolute that, that's my fa- that's my favorite, actually. It's, it's a great song. Um, but yeah, going underground is it, going underground is a terrific song. Um, that's brilliant. I, I, I don't know how I got in the charts, it was top five, I'm sure. Um, but uh, yeah, I bought going it. underground, I'll tell you. Um, <clears throat> without even looking this one up, I oh, know well, it was on my list. Um, it was number one going underground, it was the first. No. First number one they had. In fact, right. it came straight in at number one, right. which is the first time anyone had done that in the UK. Anyone had done that uh, since the uh, Slade Christmas song, Merry Christmas, everybody, back in 1973. So seven-year gap. I mean, you know, drop of the hat, you come straight to number one these days, but not back in those days. And it was a, a number one. It's an absolutely um, superb song. It's just, it's tight. It's got great lyrics. It's just... It, just rocks along and it's it's, it's oh, yeah. a good pop rock song should be love it covers social issues of the time um like well the uh, political corruption voter apathy and thatcherism thatcher <laughs> yeah you um, need to go and, you need to go back to 78 and the tom robinson band for that really but uh well that's a discussion for another day anyway so that's, that's my number seven that is okay, and I like that. I so say that was on my list. I had the lyric down. I've got. You made me. You you made your bed. You better lie in it. Uh, yeah. Uh, you you choose your leaders, and place your trust, as their lies wash you down and their promises rust. 
Well, maybe you we should play at the Tory party conference. You'll see kidney machines <laughs> replaced by rockets and guns, and the public wants what the public, the public gets. gets. Going underground, yeah, great, great single. Great lyrics. Okay, yeah. and that, um, yeah, that was included on a couple of others, I think, but I'll come on to them in the end. Uh, Nicholas, your go. Okay, yeah, right, it's their fourth album, um, and uh, every time I hear the intro of this, I just kind of want to, well, smash up my lounge, basically. I'm... <laughs> <laughs> it's not... <laughs> when, I tell you the record, you... when I tell you the record, you know why. It's the Ace of Spades Motorhead. All right. The Ace of Spades Motorhead, number 15. I just think it's a great record, and Motorhead would just, you know, I love I love a bit of Motorhead. I've seen them a couple of times. Yeah. I suspect they were loud. They were loud, they were I guess. Really loud, yeah. But yeah, it was um, yeah, I suppose. I think it was a classic, uh, classic song, good British rock, <laughs> classic song, a classic album. Um, that was the title track, wasn't it? From Ace of Spades, it was an album. Yeah, it was the name. It was it off the album. Yeah, yeah, Did they um? Did they do anything in Australia at all? Motorhead. Uh, yeah. If look, they they. Probably did. I mean, it wasn't the sort of thing that uh, was in the mainstream. Um, no, yeah, but, not uh, the, uh, really. You know, the, the the tough kids at school would have been listening to them. Um, yeah, yeah, I was yeah, a tough. That, kid. that, that early, <laughs> early, uh, early eighties, uh, early eighties metal was not really on my radar. So I, yeah. I, I, it wasn't until it wasn't until the hard rock explosion in the like in the mid eighties, like eighty six, that I kind of became retrospectively aware of like all, all of uh, those yeah, bands. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just wondered if they were big out there, or, or you know, I didn't think they were. They, they, they were, they were in the mix, and then when the young ones came out, and you know, they were on, they did Ace of Spades on the young ones. Suddenly, everyone. That's right. That's right. Were, yeah. yeah. Have you? I know we haven't got a huge amount of time left, but have you heard the acoustic version of Ace of Spades? No. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. They play it on Planet Rock sometimes. It's fantastic. It's yeah. absolutely brilliant. It's it, by Motorhead. Yes. Yeah, it's they do an unplugged version of Ace of Spades. Amazing, brilliant, and it's absolutely brilliant. It's really nice to take a song and to reinterpret it in such an interesting way. And it's you know it's them covering themselves. You'll love it. Yeah, yeah. It's really. I'll really oh, check that out. I'll check that yeah, out. That's brilliant. amazing. That's brilliant. Okay. And it's kind of done with a swing beat. It's almost yeah, like right, right. It's almost like swing. It's kind. Of, it's really weird, but it's great. It works, yeah, yeah. yeah it yeah, does, yeah. yeah. yeah That's pretty. That's pretty. Austin, they had such sort of heavy metal album titles as well, didn't they? Uh, Motorhead, like yeah. Bomber, Bomber, yeah, Bomber and, and Motorhead, Overkill. Motorhead. Yeah, Motorhead, <laughs> yeah. Overkill. Yeah, mind you, ACDC had pretty heavy metal album yeah, titles yeah. as well. Uh, Austin, over to you talking about ACDC in Australia. Yeah, we'll go to uh, almost feels uh, like a, a a savage kind of change of attack me uh, introducing <laughs> this one <laughs> after my uh, uh, yeah <laughs> the pretenders brass in Ooh. pocket Ooh. Uh, that was on my reserve list great song uh, yeah look I, and it's it's kind of a tragedy that uh that uh you know that that lineup uh didn't survive because it james I mean, scott died didn't he uh, yeah um because it's got such a band sound to it, like it's like it, it's got so much character in the uh, in the recording, which Those kind I of think chorus guitars and the sort of yeah yeah yep 
Um, yeah. Like the, the the sounds are distinctive. It sounds like a great band playing together. It's just like sonically, mm. it's a great track. And and look, the um the story in the uh, in the film clip was so well done. Like yeah. they just really they seized the MTV moment with it. Um, yeah, it was a, it was the first album, wasn't it? It was the first album off the and, first and pretty, album. Pretty sure it's the. I think the it, was. It, was so, yeah. it was certainly it. Um, yeah, it was their number one single. It was their only number one single, actually. Um, I'll just check whether it was on the album. Yeah, it was on their first album. Here, it's listed as being on their first album, together with "Stop Your Sobbing" and "Kid." But "Brass in Pocket" was Ed and Schultz. I mean, "Brass in Pocket" was the number one single. Yeah, those wasn't it. It's a great song. Stop your sobbing was uh, was the Ray Davis song, of course. Yeah. Um, okay, Pretenders, uh, American, of course, but a lot of Brits in the band. I think it's actually kind of uh, they formed well, in Britain, weren't they? Uh, well, Chrissy Hine was an American, wasn't she? From Ohio, yeah, actually. Yeah, she, from, yeah, and, and she she went over to England and uh, and worked as a journo for NME. Uh, yeah, okay, yeah, she started right. and formed the band. So the rest of the the rest of the band were English, weren't they? I think so. Yeah, I think they were. I'm sure they were. Yeah. That'll take me too long to look them all up individually. So, and, uh, sorry, not Nick. It's Pete. You're next. Okay, so um, this is my uh, this is my foray into um, electronica, which I am quite a reasonable fan of. Um, this is my favourite song about the bombing of Hiroshima. Uh, this is uh, In Another Day okay. by Orchestral Manoeuvres in the Dark, yeah. uh, which is about the B-29 super fortress that dropped Little Boy. Uh, and it's a bit of a dark subject, um, you know, <laughs> as dark as it gets, uh, but it's an absolutely brilliant song. It's, it's another one of those ones where as soon as it starts, you go, yes, this is such a good pop song. Um what, and, what's uh, that song title again? It's uh, Enola Gay. Enola which Gay. Was, which was the name of the super fortress that dropped the little boy bomb on Hiroshima. Um, but it's, um, you know, and the lyrics, Enola Gay should have stayed at home anyway, you know, so it's kind of an anti, vaguely anti-war-y thing. But it's just, it's classic early 80s electronica, you know, it, them, Gary Newman, Ultravox. It's all that kind of, you know. Pesh mode. Yeah, electric, electronic, rocky yeah, I love it. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't buy the album. It's just a brilliant single. Hmm. Agreed. It was good. They did. They did do some good singles. OMD. Yeah, actually. they did. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, Nick. Last one. Um, yeah. Uh, Tom Petty, oh. Refugee. So not what your last one, song? is it? It's not your last one. You do have another. So it's not couple. the last one. Oh, I've got another couple to go. Right. Yeah, yeah. Tom Petty, Refugee, off the album Damn the Torpedoes. Um, brilliant. Chide at number 15 in the US Billboard chart. Don't think it was released in the UK as a single, but I just love the song. And I'm not actually a massive Tom Petty fan. I mean, I can't, you know, he's, but I love that song, Refugee. I just think it's yeah, a really it's good a superb, song. It's a really good rock, pop rock. It's a great it just, pop rock. It's, yeah, it's just got a good groove to it, you know. It has, I, and, I mean, and you just want to shout out when he shouts, hey, you know, you just want to do it, don't you? It's one of those ones where you yeah. just want to be part of it. Yes, great. Yeah, yeah, and the way he sings it in that slurry fashion, and yeah, I was just think yeah, it's a good. And the, and the album, Damn the Torpedoes, is a pretty yeah, good album, actually. So, it's yeah. his best album, I think. Wasn't a hit in England yeah. uh, or the UK, I should say. Um, of course, no, 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 not offending any worse Scottish or Northern Irish listeners. Uh, was it released over here as a single? Well, I, I don't know if it was released. I don't it think it was. Um, it was a number 24 in Australia, it would appear. 
Yeah, yeah. like yeah, it was on the radio at least. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, was it me? It's me. It's me. Um. Okay, maybe this is taking another turn. We are taking lots of odd turns here, but for me, this was the eighth of their nine number one singles. Probably the greatest pop music songwriters, one of the top music songwriters of that time, if over any time, I would say. This is going to um, be ABBA, isn't it? It's ABBA. Super Trooper. No, it's not Super Trooper. Ah, okay. Oh, yeah, what ABBA? I, I feel like I've let you down, not having Super Trooper. No, it Super is, Trooper uh, was on my reserve list. It's the winner <laughs> takes it all. Winner takes it all. Uh, for me, it's my favourite ABBA song. Um, I mean, it's it's obviously unique in that it, it's obviously a song about a breakup of a marriage, um, which is obviously quite a, a sad tale anyway. But the fact that the two members of the band who were married to, to one another and arguably it's about their marriage breaking up and the wife who's singing the, the words that the, the husband has written, all very, you know, um, poignant, I think is probably the word. Um, Bjorn Alvarez, who wrote the song with uh, Benny Anderson, um, has said it, it. Well, they've all said it, it wasn't specifically about their relationship because you know they're, they're in a divorce, there, there is no winner. Um, he, he said he was he was he was drunk when he wrote the song uh, on whiskey, <laughs> on whiskey, and uh, he wrote all the lyrics in an hour. Wow. Um, but yeah, it was a number one. Certainly, Agneta, who sang it, uh, has her favorite ABBA song, and it's my favorite ABBA song as well. So I agree with her. Number seven in Australia. But oh yeah, Ab- ABBA were huge here. Yeah. Strangely, not a yeah. massive hit in the states. Well, in fact, really? a hit at all. I don't think actually. Really? Uh, yeah, I know. Strange one. Surprise! Surprise! Absolute classic song for me. Uh, Austin, you've got another couple, so let's have another one from you. I do, yeah. There's no way uh, I wouldn't have these guys in the list. Oh. Uh, Steely Dan and uh, the, uh, the the big single off uh, of this record, uh, Gaucho, is Hey 19. Probably, oh, I, forgot, I forgot that one. I forgot that one. Oh. Probably one of their, their uh, three or four biggest singles in Australia, yeah. at least. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And like just a like really snappy, like lively um like incredibly smoothly recorded song it's just like yeah just brimming with sophistication and just wonderful uh subversion in the lyrics like just so much uh subversive stuff going on uh the uh the outro line um uh, Fagan sings the Cuervo Gold, the fine Colombian, make tonight a wonderful thing. So it's, it's his way of saying, uh, "Yeah, I'm uh, uh, I'm partying on tequila and cocaine." Yes, you do. <laughs> and, yeah, yes, yeah, you, you just do. yeah, you have to really kind of listen to what he's saying and understand what he's referencing to kind of get the joke, and then you know, then you're on the inside of it. Um, and and yeah, the, yeah. Their, their lyrics are full of that and and nowhere more so than than this song so uh a, a wonderful subversive uh you know pop chart hit yeah and they still do that live they still do that one live it, top, top 10 in america I, I, I would have had that i was surprised i forgot that one i would have yeah number 10 in the us uh australia uh, um 48 you got to 
not, not too high. Yeah, not not a big seller, but uh, no. big, big FM rotation. I uh, Canada was probably the biggest hit, uh, where it got to number three. Thanks, Austin. Hey, 19. Still surprised you didn't have that one in your list there, uh, uh, Nick. <laughs> I totally forgot all about that track. And, uh, yeah, I'm still suffering for that. I, I, can't, I can't believe I forgot it. I can't o- believe Only it. your favourite band ever. Only, only well, one of my favourite bands, yeah. yeah off, we don't after definitely, yes. Yeah. After yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, it's, it's uh, yeah, I can't. Uh, when he when, when he held the cover up, I was like, oh, no, I forgot it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. There you go. Okay, right. So I would uh, I would now hand over to Pete to uh, discuss his next song, but uh, unfortunately he's unavailable at the moment. So I've got his um, I've got his remaining couple of songs here, and he's given me a little bit of uh, blurb about them, which I can I can relay to you. Uh, missing out any talks about his mates Ian or. Nan. I forget, or his nan, <laughs> or, his or, nan. Or, or, uh, or which shows he saw them live at. Yeah, that's true. Yes, <laughs> he has seen. Uh, we love you, Pete. We love you, Pete. Uh, stinky P, Stinky P. Um, <laughs> he has right, seen everyone. Hasn't he? <laughs> he has seen everyone. He has. I mean, I, from, I thought I've been to a lot of gigs, but apart from I, Genesis I, and uh, David Bowie, he's not going to see him again, nice. is he? Uh, and and what was the other one? Oh. Uh, Pink Floyd, was it? No, who's Pink the other band here? That's right. Oh, right. Never seen Pink Floyd, he said earlier, didn't he? Oh, he hadn't seen Pink Floyd. No, I don't think, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Genesis, Pink Floyd and uh, David Bowie. I- I'm guessing there are other acts that he hasn't seen, but... I, I have seen Bowie, Pink Floyd, and uh, what was the other one? Genesis. I- I'm not... No, I have seen Genesis yeah. in the 80s. Yeah, but I'm not a big Genesis fan, particularly. No. Okay. Well, as Pete said, I, uh, I think... A mate of his went to see them. Um, don't know whether it is Ian uh, or his nan. But um, a, um, yeah, but and as I said, we're going to see uh, Genesis next Wednesday. Um, I've got his ninth song, so I'll Let's have it. Let's have tell it. You that it is one of the acts that we have just mentioned, actually. Okay, uh, Mister, as he used to be called, David Jones. Yeah. Before he became famous and decided he couldn't be called David Jones because of the little man in the monkeys. Mm. Um, yeah, that's why David, he changed David his name. Jones, yeah, David, David Jones. David Jones, yeah. yeah. That's, right. uh, that's why he changed his name to David. Uh, you know, the first guitar I had as a kid was a plastic guitar with four strings on it and a picture of the monkeys all around it. It was a kind of toy guitar, you know. I'll never really? forget it. Yeah. And now, yeah. And now you've got George the, Benson's. The, and I've got, yeah, I've got Ibanez George Benson signed by George Benson. Yeah, one of the first ones ever made because I worked for Ibanez at the time. So that was a I'd, perfect I'd job. A plastic Beatles guitar in the 1960s, I remember. I don't remember having any strings though. No, sorry, no. I was wrong. It was the Beatles on it. It was it cream with red around the back. It was sides. exactly that, yeah. I had that. I had it. Sorry, I thought it was the monkeys. It was the bit and it had pictures of all their faces on the it front. It did. Yeah, it's the around the Yeah, and it was it was cream on the top and it was red all around the back and the sides. And it had a green string, a blue string, a red string, and a whatever. Of course yeah. it was a four, it was like a ukulele gone wrong, but yeah. Oh, I used to pose in the mirror with that for hours. You had you had strings on yours. I probably did at the start. <laughs> you, anyway, you David Bowie. The album he has taken the song from was uh, "Scary Monsters and Super Creeps," which um, he isn't overly keen on. 
I believe. I'm not. I'm not overly um, keen on that. No, nor am I. I don't know about you, Austin. No, I, I not didn't a, really. No, not a big Bowie fan, full stop, really. Oh, uh, right. Okay, fair which enough. might surprise you. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. No, no, no. Each to their own Yes, indeed. <laughs> um, as, as, was, it, was it David Brent? It's it's her own opinion. <laughs> yeah, sure. No, yeah. No, Sorry, it was uh, her own decision. It's her own that decision. That's the one. Her own decision. Um, yeah. The song he's chosen is actually fashion. Turn to the left. Turn to the right. Could yeah. be, yeah. Very, I'm, I'm, very, very, very camp sort of a song. I, I, you know, very typical Bowie. Yeah. Um, what fashion? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I like the I like the guitar intro though. I like the way it starts with all sort of you know, and boom, boom, boom. It's quite it sort a, of a. It was a top it's a five. Dancey, yeah, top five hit here. A dancey kind of track, you know. Um, and in uh, Stinky's words, um, he loves the discordant nature. That intro. Like they went in the studio and went a bit nuts and made stuff up as they went along. Uh, and and the almost football chant-like chorus. Mm. Mm. So that they were his comments about it. I... I um, I'm sure he said before that it's like um, everything about the song suggests that it shouldn't work, but in fact it does, and that it, that's almost why he likes it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was a bigger fan of another single from that album, which I'll come on to in a minute. But before okay. that, you've got your ninth one as well. Oh, right, okay, yeah. Um, right, it is Entrenew by Rush. Uh, off of the permanent waves album, pardon my which French, which was uh, yeah, which I think the song most people would know of the album is actually "Spirit of Radio." I think that yes. was released as a single as well. But um, I've chosen on yeah, yeah, which was a great song. But I've chosen Entrenou. I don't think it was released in uh, this country, um, and it was also a shorter version on the single, three minutes forty-five as opposed to four minutes thirty-seven. But um, great lyrics. Great song, great album. We saw them on the tour at Hammersmith Odeon, as it was called at the time. It's now the Hammersmith Apollo. But great to see Rush in a small venue, and they blew the place apart. Um, yeah, and as you know, I'm a big Rush fan. It's nice to I see do, that, um, well, it didn't probably chart, but, you know. Um, um, I'm just reading about Entrepreneur Rush song. Um, it is the fourth track on the 1980 album Permanent Waves yeah. by yeah. progressive rock band Rush. Um, it was also released as a single. Well, it doesn't specify where, but it was released as a single. Um, yeah. And it, it just says underneath, yeah, released May 1980. I think it was released in the US and Canada. There you I go, think I yeah. somewhere, but uh, yeah. Well, they are a Canadian band, aren't they? Yeah, they something. are a Canadian band. Yeah, yeah. So I wasn't, I'm not going totally mad then. Um, are you a Rush fan? Are you a Rush fan? Uh, not not a, not a huge Rush fan, but I do like that album, and that's got to be one of their. Uh, well, I don't know how big any of their albums are really, but that's certainly one that uh, has gained a big reputation over time. It's it's yeah, probably the one, yeah. one of the albums I'm most familiar with. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of um, the the albums before that were more proggy, you know, more kind of long tracks, a bit more early seventies and. But permanent waves is where they're kind of changing a bit. It was, to, I think, they called it permanent waves to do with the new wave thing was happening. 
you know, new wave of British heavy metal, new wave of this, new wave, you know. So mm. they want they thought they'd be a permanent wave. That was the kind of reason behind the title in, in a sense. But um it's nothing like to it. do with it's nothing to do with yeah, yeah, but they were kind of shortening their songs and becoming a bit less proggy. But it's they're they're a great band and great, you know. You know, being a guitarist, they they're great musicians and live. They could always pull it off. I mean, they were just phenomenal. They do. I mean, the first time I heard Rush, I didn't like them. They they took a long while to grow on me. You know, I mean, I had loads of mates who was in them. I found Geddy Lee's voice a bit like pinky and what? perky or something, a bit irritating. And but suddenly, a whiny voice, isn't it? Yeah, his voice has got deeper over the years, but now I just, yeah, big Rush fan. Anyway, hmm. on to new. Yeah. Same to you. Yeah, I'm trying to think if that's the album. If I was thinking Rush, would that be the album I would think of? I, I think I'd... What was the one after that? Was it Moving Pictures? Yeah, great album, Moving Pictures. That yeah, I must have, maybe that was 81. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, so that had Tom Sawyer on it, actually, I seem to remember. Yeah, which is um, a great, great stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, Entre Nous. Uh, excuse your French. Um, Rush at number nine. In at number nine with a bullet <laughs> with Nick. Uh, On to my penultimate song, um, which I sort of vaguely hinted at indirectly when I was talking uh, about Pete's fashion. Uh, well, the song fashion, not Pete's general fashion. Uh, that would, that'll be another episode, I'm sure. Um but of course, it's Ashes to Ashes, which was um, yeah. a big, a big, certainly in the UK, um, yeah, yeah. not huge in the States. Was um, it number one in the UK? Was it number it one? It was number one in the UK. It was his second number was. one. First yeah. one being Space Oddity. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, the only two number ones had Major mm. Tom in them. Um, although Space Oddity didn't make one when it was first released. No, that was um, a one that come later, wasn't it? Yeah, it was released in '69, I think, either I think just was... before or just after the Apollo moon landings in 1969. Yeah, um, this guy floating around in space, lost in space, probably not a good a good theme for when <laughs> for the astronauts are up there. But um, yes, uh, it was uh, uh, David Bowie called it. Uh, a 1980s nursery rhyme. Mm. Um, I, I remember Steve Strange being in the video. That was a oh. really, uh, it was a really striking video. It was a good it video, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was quite interesting video, yeah. yeah. They were a lot of good videos in the 1980s, weren't there? That made funny, out, that, that funny m- outfit Bowie was wearing in that video, really, wasn't it? Just like, like a clown. A, yeah, a clown, yeah, something yeah. like that, yeah. Yeah, very yeah. weird. Um, yeah. You mentioned you mentioned Steve Strange, of course. Yeah, it did. Ha- it did have a distinctive um, synth guitar um, sound to it, which mm. was apparently a deliberate acknowledgement of the burgeoning new romantic scene, mm. according to Mister Bowie. Do you know who played guitar on it? Stavinger? I do not know, um, but I can look that up whilst <laughs> I you've got you nothing else to say on that. Ashes to ashes. Um, that was quite a good song. I, I, don't, I, don't, I must admit, I don't, you know, that particular album, I didn't like that Bowie period much, to be honest. But, you know, those two tracks. I, I wasn't sure. overly keen. Um, I think I may have said before in a, in a, in a previous podcast, if um, it would be harsh to say if he didn't release any other records after about 1975. Um, 
but mm. I like which if he did make he did make a few good songs yeah. that I liked anyway. When I say good, I mean I like them. Um, yeah. yeah, Station yeah. Station had a good few on there. Heroes, even yeah. low. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I remember but writing. I, rev- I remember writing a review in the the uh, if Pete was still here, if he hadn't had scarpered. Um, <laughs> He he might even remember it, but it was a it was at Buckersfield County High School, where the grammar school boys went, <laughs> and uh, I did a review in '97 of David Bowie's album Low. Funny enough, did you? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I wasn't overly complimentary about it actually. I still well, remember, but I was probably listening to Rocking All Over the World at the time. <laughs> One thing I remember about that album Low, uh, it's it's very instrumental, isn't it? There's long periods right, yeah. of not much singing going on. You know, it's. Uh, well, yes. So, well, Sound and Vision had a ridiculously long intro, didn't it? Really, before it did, when any it, singing yeah. came in, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I think I mentioned this to you on uh, Twitter, Austin, the other day, but with a bit of a Tony Visconti link to it, um, uh-huh. Sound and Vision it was obviously it was, it was produced by Tony Visconti, and um, as was a lot of Bowie stuff, yeah. As was yeah, a lot was, of Bowie yeah. stuff, yeah. and he was married at the time to Mary Hopkin. We've gone right away from ashes to ashes, haven't we? We have. Oh, Mary we have. We have. Uh, Mary Hopkin. <laughs> we digress. She, she sang uh, backing vocals on Sound and Vision. Yeah. By David Bowie. Oh, did um, she? Did she? She did. Oh, okay. And I was going to look something up while Austin was talking about. If you go on to your 10th one, Austin, your last one, uh, I'll look up who played the guitar on Ashes to Ashes. All right. Yeah. Well, uh, it wouldn't be complete without this one. Uh, ACDC's Back in Black album. Oh, yes. Uh, and this had uh, at least three singles off it that I recall. And the first one, the one that announced their uh, return, as it were, after the death of Bon Scott, was You Shook Me All Night Long. Uh, yeah, the, release of that, the release of that single was, uh, w- was like a, a massive announcement um, that you know, ACDC were, were still going and they had this uh, great new singer and, what I remember about it was that, uh, like, everybody loved it. The rock crowd, the metal crowd mm, mm. Um, seemed to really kind of unite everybody. And I think um, uh, the the whole thing was done very respectfully, uh, like really kind of acknowledging, uh, you know, Bond's, uh, uh, you know, uh, legacy memory, memory. Uh, with yeah. the band. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Recorded in... Yeah, great, great. Just so much swagger, yeah. um, oh. as was all of it, really. Uh, just oh yeah, iconic, iconic rock, massive album, obviously, deservedly. Totally. Uh, recorded oh. in Compass Point in the Bahamas, so oh, well, okay. really, you're, you're really part of the jet set uh, if you're making an album there. Some um, yeah, 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 yeah. They yeah. made it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, I read, I read somewhere that they toured for almost three years solid off the back of that album. That was so big, um, which wouldn't surprise me because that was a big selling record. And uh, so I wonder know, what I they th- did because they 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 did record like uh, and release an album every year after that. So they did for those those about to rock in eighty one and then flip right, the switch. Yeah. I think so. They yeah. yeah, it would have been a really busy time. And I and I thought I I really really thought that Brian Johnson they couldn't have got a better replacement. You know, well, and I know you know people. Bond, people Bond had met like, oh, Brian. Yeah, Bond had met Brian before he ever even joined ACDC. He'd seen really? Geordie uh, uh, on a on a trip to to uh, 
England uh, in about 74 or something. Right. So, That's interesting. Yeah, the, the, the relationships were all, all there pretty much from the outset. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, it, but, but it, uh, I mean, it is, you know, he's, he, it just suits, you know. I mean, I remember, you know, because, you know, Bon Scott had, you know, a vocal style, but I think Brian Johnson was a great, replacement i mean when you've got a lead singer and the lead singer dies i mean that can really screw a band up you know you know what i mean i mean how can you replace certain people it's, it's very difficult but i thought you've also I thought, you know you've got to the have field. the lyrics as well uh, and and bon was an incredibly witty lyricist and uh, and yeah, brian yeah, yeah. had his own he had his own kind of cheeky glint uh yeah oh definitely, not, definitely. probably probably not as uh like not as inventive as Bon, I. I'm but he still had that witty. They still had that witty sense of humour. That's that yeah. sort of. Um, yeah, I can't describe it. But there's always yeah. been, you know, ACDC are always a band that haven't really taken themselves seriously, but they do take themselves seriously. But they kind of, you know, love to play with the double entendres and so forth. Oh yeah, yeah. It's great. You, you, it's great. It's get, typical British humour. It's typical British humour. That's why yeah, we love it true. in Britain. We love it. We love a double on Tron. On Tron, I can't you, even you, say the word. Come on, you, you and your French tonight. Double on Tron. Yeah, but you don't get an ACDC song without a, a, a sort of a sexual innuendo in the title. To be fair, no, no, that's what we want because it's uh, like carry on. Humor, Maybe carry on from carry the old on carry on films. films. Yeah, so yeah. you're going to say on, something, on. Austin? Oh, you? look, I was just going to talk about uh, studios uh, just to backtrack quickly to uh the split ends one which i kind of suggested was uh was australian in um in the making it was recorded at armstrong's in melbourne which now right. i believe is a, a music venue the the memo music hall but that oh, right. uh, if you remember our show about 1971 that's where chain did toward the blues same okay. studio uh, yeah. i wasn't on that show but i have listened to it so no, i do yeah, remember yeah, yeah. So that's what i had to say about that Bluesy rock right. band, wouldn't they? Yeah, um, bands where the lead singers died. That's that's a theme for you. There's probably not many of them. There's, there? there's a theme. I'm thinking Queen. I'm thinking but, Queen. Yeah, I, I, I should say they've never really, really, we can't really place Freddie Mercury. Having said that, Adam Lambert is a pretty damn fine cover, and um, we've seen them a couple of times. But it, mm. it, I, I don't see them as Queen. I just see them as like a almost a tribute band, and they have like. Adam Lambert, so he's a great singer, to be fair. Yeah. Um, yeah. Quickly on to Pete. Where are you, Pete? No, he's still not here. So we'll, um, his final song was uh, from one of the artists he's a big fan of, ex-Genesis, Peter Gabriel. And from the, I think, the same album that your no, first No Self Control was on. Yeah, I, I, I think I know what it's going to be. Which is the... Third or second or third of his solo albums, self-titled. I thought it was, a, I thought it was, it was the Melt, fourth, but could be wrong. Oh, could Melt, be, yeah, 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 yeah. It was called Melt. Yeah, was, yeah. Uh, and it is Games Without Frontiers. Very original single, but all the all of Gabriel's output was very original at that point, and the singles, you know, I know Self Control didn't chart very high, but I think Games Without Frontiers charted quite high. And continuing the French thing, of course, there's a French. Translation yeah, it in in it. Do you know that as well? Are you going to show? No, us no, I can't. I can't remember. It's, but it's like a famous, famous, famous misheard lyric. Je sans yeah. frontières. Yeah, yeah. 
Actually, just on yeah, Frontier, right, Games yeah. Without Frontier. Yeah. Um, and his comments on this, uh, Games um, Without Frontier, I love, this is Pete's quote, because of the fact that he's just a clever song with clever lyrics, as well as being Peter Gabriel, whose voice he loves. Where did it chart at, Where did it chart It charted... Oh, now I'll have to look that up as well. It was a reasonably hit, reasonable hit, I'd say. I think Probably top was, 20. I think it um, was his uh, biggest single hit off the album. He, you know. he said he doesn't think it probably translated very well to um, the US and Australia because the context wasn't there. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, mean, I don't know. I can, I can look that up, Games of That Frontiers. Yeah. I'll look that up. But anyway, that's his song number 10, his final one. You've got one more. While you're talking about your 10th single, Nick, I'll just look up where Games of That Frontier's got. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah, 10th single. Um, I used to go to a pub in Manor Park uh, called The Rabbits, and this band used to play covers, and they used to do this song. And uh, It's called Ride Like the Wind by Christopher Cross, um, Ooh, yeah. which is a great song, but funny enough, this band used to do it heavier than Christopher Cross, which I slightly preferred. And there is a version by Saxon now, which Saxon, is, um, yeah, yeah. you know, a bit more heavy. But the Christopher Cross song was a great song, great lyrics, great riff, and uh, Michael McDonald backing on uh, backing vocals, which I'm, I'm a big Michael McDonald fan. Um, yeah, and it was, I think, his debut single as well for Christopher Cross. It was number two on the US charts for... Uh, four weeks or so only got to about number six i think number 69 in the uk but there again you know it, you know i think we can't here, always be more, right more, more of an album artist over here but anyway but yeah great song and um a great cover later on by saxon and definitely great. a, a yeah. favorite song of mine you know Definitely a great yeah. song. Uh, and Michael McDonald was in his imperial phase at that point. He'd just won a Grammy for What a Fool Believes. So anything featuring Michael McDonald. So that was a really great coup for Christopher Cross. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, he couldn't have uh, couldn't have picked a better song to uh, to feature it on. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Um, and um, okay. it does rock. It does rock. Have it's you heard good. the Saxon version? Have you heard the Saxon? I, I haven't. No, no, I haven't. Check it out. Go on YouTube. Put Saxon, uh, Ride Like the Wind. They do a storming version of it. Really, a lot heavier, you know. It's really good. It's a, <laughs> really good. A, sto- a storming version, pardon the pun. Yeah. <laughs> it's, not, it's not a pun, but... Uh, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, Ride Like the Wind. Um, Riders on okay, the Storm. So Christopher Cross, uh, Ride Like the Wind. Uh, before I get on to my final one, uh, yeah, uh, Games Without Frontiers, actually peaked at number four in the UK, which is really, really? as high as Sledgehammer, actually, which is his equal, yeah, I mean, you know, know Sledgehammer's like a pop record, isn't it? Games of that Frontiers is really not very poppy. I'm, I'm surprised it charted that high, but it's great Only number like that. 48 in the US. Right. Great that um, something like that could chart so high, because it wasn't, you know, it's a bit slightly strange, higher, right? slightly higher in Australia, number 44. Like my final, final song, uh, again on the new wave uh, scene, uh, was a song written by um, Billy Idol and is it Tony James. I think it's Tony James. I think it's Brian James. I think he's in the band. Tony James. Um, for Sid, the band. Not Sid James. 
not Sid James from the Carry On films. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, good impression. That's not bad, is it? Not bad. That's good. Um, I'm here all week. Keep um, well, I actually probably am at the moment as well. Um, it, for their band Generation X, um, yeah. again from the um, merged from the punk uh, mm. scene, Generation mm. X with yeah. uh, singles, sort of punky new generation. Yeah. Um, uh, Ready, steady, go. They had um, which was just, uh, the theme tune. Well, it wasn't the theme tune, but it was named after the the pop. You probably remember it in the six before your time, no doubt. It was a, a rival to Top of the Pops called Ready Steady Go. I remember Ready Steady Go with who, who, Ka- Kathy McGowan. Kathy yeah, McGowan. That's right. I vaguely remember that. Didn't she ever yes. be high hairdo? Yes, sometimes. Time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, um, unfortunately, by the time they um, got round to thinking about recording the song, they'd split up the band. So the two of them got together. Uh, rebranded the band as Gen X, very original, not Generation X, but Gen X, uh, and got together with a couple of guitarists, Steve New, uh, who was played with the Rich Kids, and uh, and Glenn Matlock, who was ex Sex Pistols. But also on this record was Steve Jones, who did pretty much all the guitar work on Nevermind the Bollocks, which is, you know, Sid Vicious. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't, you know, I could play the guitar better than Sid Vicious, <laughs> the bass. Um, well, actually, my cat could. Pete's, <laughs> Pete's nan probably could as well. Um, so anyway, Steve Jones did all the guitar work, and he did the guitar work on this as well. Um, right, right. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it, it was put on their next album, which is called Kiss Me Deadly, um, which I don't think actually contained the song Kiss Me Deadly, but Kiss Me Deadly was a song that was on their debut album back in right. 1978, I think it was. Bit, bit um, punky new wave for me, but yeah. They know. were. It was it was reissued. Uh reasonable size hit in the US, 27 in the US. Um oh, because this Gen X version only made number 62 in the UK. It was yeah, reissued, yeah. but but um promoted as a Billy Idol as a Billy Idol song yeah even though it was a 10x Billy Idol become pretty big in the States I think yeah he did probably he did I think he moved out there yeah he did on his on his motorbike I remember an interesting story over Billy Idol he's being interviewed and he says to the interviewer he said I want you to interview me while I'm riding my bike and the interviewer was on the back and he crashed the bike (laughs) nice (laughs) (laughs) very talented yeah yeah Right, so that completes everything on our well, forty songs. Probably only thirty-eight because I, yeah, from the collection, I think there were two duplicates, weren't there? Um, going underground jam, um, which Pete had, and it's still rock and roll to me, um, which you had, Austin, yeah, in yours. That's mm. right. Yeah. Okay. Um, quick run through some uh, list loyal listeners and their uh, their lists. Um, DJ Style just had one to give to me, which was Devo and Whip It. Devo, interesting, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, I, did they have any other hits? I'm not sure they did. I don't know. I don't know. No, Free, Freedom of Choice. There's, yeah, they had a bunch. Oh, okay. Well, at, least, yeah. at least in oh, Australia, yeah, they did. Yeah, I, I wasn't one. a massive Devo fan, even though they were like New Wave, I guess, a bit sort of. 
far out new wave for me, maybe. Like, did um, they have an album out called "Are We Not Men? Are We Devils?" Yes, like that. that was their first yeah. album. Yeah. Um, and uh, this was probably on it actually. Rip it. Uh, don't don't shoot me if I'm wrong there. But uh, Graham's given us uh, two or three. Uh, one is "Love Will Tear Us Apart" by Joy Division. Uh, the forerunner to New Order before um, the, uh, talking of singers that died. I can't even think of the guy's name. Singer of Joy Division. Um, but anyway, yeah, he died. Uh, uh, you remember oh, his name? I can't even remember what it is. Was it something Curtis? Ian Curtis. Yeah, you're right. Ian, Ian Curtis. Curtis. It was. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was one he had. Uh, I, I, I blame them for him not liking madness. Actually, do you get madness <laughs> down in uh, Australia? Uh, yeah, Austin. we we did get madness. Uh, they I bet were. You're not uh, a fan, though. You're not a fan. I I don't mind them. They yeah, they were uh, they were they're a lot of fun. They're a lot of yeah. house of fun. They were a house yeah. of fun. Um, yeah. yeah, a very very uh, London uh, band. We, we actually got a lot of that stuff. Yeah, so we we got Scar. We had the specials. Specials, and, yeah. And 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 the bureau. They only had that uh, one. Don't hit, remember that, bureau. That, uh, How they? about the beat? Did you get the beat? The beat, Ooh. mirror in the bathroom, stuff like no, that. that. Doesn't ring a bell. Hands off, she's mine. Yeah. Hands off, she's mine. That was Eminem, and they did a cover of um, a song that Andy Williams had in the sixties. Not can't Wait. stand, not can't stand losing you. That was the police, something like that. I just can't stand. Yeah, I know the one. Yeah, yeah, I can't. I can't think of them. It was on the album. It was on the album. They're actually called um, the English Beat in America. They were, yeah. Yeah. Like the one in Australia, you said it was called the UK something. The squeeze. The squeeze. The UK squeeze, yeah. yeah. Um, you also gave me, uh, Graham, that is, there, there, my dear, Dexys Midnight Runners. And one that I was so reluctant not to include was John Lennon with Just Like Starting Over, um, which is sort of a, a memorable single for, for, for many reasons. It was his comeback single and he, he died very soon afterwards. But... I didn't include it in ultimately because I don't know. As a song, it's okay for me, but it's it's not as good as a lot of these other ones, from my own point of view. Cindy, uh, we've mentioned her a few times in the show already, but she did have uh, "Back in Black" from "Back in Black." Uh, "Back in Black." "Tidy's High Blondie," another one, but it's the Dust Queen. Yeah. Pete would love that. Um, all, all out of love, air supply, which I know yeah. Austin's a huge fan of. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> maybe. <laughs> uh, you may be right um, about not being a fan of all out of love. You may be right, Billy Joel. Uh, I got you. Split ends. Okay. Don't stand so close to me. The police. The police. You had a lot of the ones you had there, uh, Austin. She she's so cold. The stones. Yeah. Um, turn it on again, Genesis, and uh, any way you want it by Journey. I like Turn It On Again, Genesis. I like that record. Yeah, it's not bad, is it? Maybe they'll sing it for me next week. Yeah, it's quite it's sort of nice rocky, isn't it? It's quite, uh, you know. Also, sort of, uh, does, does sounds better on digital than it does on vinyl. I think I've got the single, and it's uh, really? it's quite it's quite mushy. Oh. Why? So I, I I don't know whether it, it was uh, it, it was never that mastered live. that well, uh, and then when they uh, when when they got to transferring stuff, 
whenever they did that in the nineties or whatever, they um they sharpened it up and it, it sounds it sounds great now on like, you know, C D and streaming. Right. Yeah. yeah. But the actual yeah. vinyl, not much to listen to. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which, which is shitty. Only one other to mention, which was Barbie in Toledo, uh, which is Call Me, Blondie, yeah. which you had, Austin, anyway, uh, earlier on, uh, the, the, from the, the Giorgio Moroder produced um, song from American Gigolo. And that's it. It's been fun. It's been a blast. Um, this podcast will be posted too. Over the coming weekend, Anchor, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Spotify. It'll be on the Off The Record Facebook page um, and it'll be on the CBW uh, Facebook page as well, as well as the CBW production company. Uh, and there will be an accompanying Spotify and playlist. Austin will very kindly, as he's done the last two or three weeks now, um, I, I was always known as the playlist man. But I'm glad to hand it over and Austin's producing these great playlists. So there'll be a 1980 singles playlist uh, that I'll post onto the Off The Record uh, page as well. Uh, And uh, apart from all of those, it'll also, of course, be on, Nick? The BBC. BBC, the British Broadcasting Corporation. And one day we really will be on there, I'm sure. Um, That's the end of episode 25. Next week will be... uh, half a year six months really it's amazing isn't it um a date of the um podcast to be arranged because i'm seeing genesis and it is actually on a wednesday so uh this might have to be organized we'll keep you posted on that Uh, in the meantime it is a very happy thanks for listening everyone good night from me yeah thanks for listening good night from him and good night to you Thank you very much. Not off. All right. Thank you.